Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts. It is Monday, the 23rd of October. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for those who do not hold you in awe. Grant that they might come to put their trust in your power and might. We pray for those who fear to approach you in prayer. Grant that they might come to know you as Father and Shepherd. For those who sense your mystery within the mysteries discovered by scientific study, Grant that they might come to believe in you as creator of the universe. O God, hidden in light and accessible, you have revealed the face of your love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through the intercession of St. John of Capistrano, whose feast we celebrate today, grant us the grace to worship you with reverence and to entrust ourselves to you in love. We ask this through Christ, our Lord. St. John of Capistrano, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are a production of Sacred Heart Radio, 7.40 a.m. It is Newport, Cincinnati. Sacred Heart Radio, of course, produces the Sunrise Morning Show, but shoots it out to all kinds of affiliates across the network, including a whole bunch of them that I got to meet last week at the Catholic Radio Conference, and it was very cool. Your radio stations that carry the Sunrise Morning Show and other programs, they're in very good hands, and very fun hands, by the way, might I add, to hang out with. Of this hour, Kevin Schmeezing will take a look at this week in Catholic history. Rita Heikenfeld is going to be with us for Bible Foods. We'll talk to Father John Gavin about Maximus the Confessor and how he's quoted in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And then Father Patrick Briscoe will be along to talk about the Eucharistic devotion of Pope John Paul II. Of course, uh, it was sort of overtaken by the Sunday liturgy, but yesterday uh, is technically his feast day. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has called President Biden to discuss the conflict in the Middle East. The White House says the two leaders spoke by phone yesterday about the latest developments in Israel and Gaza. Along with condemning the attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians, the White House said the president affirmed the need to protect civilians in Gaza. The Vatican said the Pope stressed the need to identify paths to peace. During his Sunday Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father once again called for peace in Gaza and Israel. He said, quote, I am very concerned, grieved. I pray and I am close to those who are suffering, the hostages, the wounded, the victims and their families, saying I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened, for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive and for hostages to be freed. End quote. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem and the Ecumenical Patriarch of Constantinople have expressed their condolences and solidarity with the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike that hit St. Porphyrius Greek Orthodox Church compound in Gaza City on Thursday. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The pain of those families who have already been suffering for a long time is enormous and we are by their side. Cardinal Pizzaballa, speaking to Italian Catholic Television TV 2000, expressed hope that reason may return to those who make decisions. 
War and bombs have never solved problems, he said. On the contrary, they always create new ones. Patriot Pizzaballa further explained that the 1,000-strong Catholic community in Gaza has decided to stay regardless of dangers because they don't know where to go and no place in the Strip is safe. He noted that despite all that is going on, they managed to maintain an unwavering faith even under the bombs. On Friday, the ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople held a phone conversation with the Greek Orthodox Patriarch of Jerusalem, Theophilus, to express his condolences for the victims and his best wishes for a speedy recovery of the injured. Patriarch Bartholomew also said he hoped that peace and security may be restored as soon as possible for everyone in the region. The airstrike on St. Porphyrius, which came only two days after the strike on Al-Ali Baptist Hospital, killing hundreds, has drawn strong condemnation from churches, including the World Council of Churches. The ecumenical body has called on the international community to enforce protections for sanctuaries of refuge in Gaza, including hospitals, schools and places of worship. I am Lisa Zengarini. Caritas Jerusalem says they are hopeful that humanitarian corridors to Gaza can be opened. The aid organization has paused their operations for security reasons and said in a statement they lost a staff member in that airstrike on St. Porphyria's church when, the rock, when a rocket hit the church hall where she and her family were taking shelter. The death toll in that is at least 17 people. Expressing grief and outrage, Caritas Jerusalem said, quote, Our thoughts and prayers are with all those affected by this ongoing conflict. We remain dedicated to our mission, calling for an end to the violence and seeking a just and lasting solution for the people of Gaza and the region. In other news, negotiations between the Actors Union and Hollywood Studios will resume tomorrow, nearly two weeks after management halted discussions on Saturday. A joint statement from the Actors Union and the studios said they are willing to return to the bargaining table. The news came after SAG-AFTRA thanked union members for their unwavering solidarity over the last hundred days. Union members are asking studios for better pay, protections against AI, residuals from streaming, and more. Meanwhile, the United Auto Workers president, Sean Fain, says the union is seeing progress from GM and Stellantis. Brian Shook reports. He said in a Facebook Live update that there is more to be won. Fain's presentation comes on the heels of GM passing another offer to the UAW for a 23% general wage increase for a 25% compounded boost over the life of the pact. That's according to the company. But Fain said these profitable companies have more to give. I'm Brian Shook. And the American League Championship Series is heading to Game 7. The Texas Rangers defeated the Houston Astros 9-2 in Game 6 of the ALCS at Minute Maid Park last night. The series concludes in Houston tonight. In Philadelphia, meanwhile, the Phillies will try to punch their ticket to the World Series today. The Phillies square off against the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 6 of the National League Championship Series from Citizens Bank Park. Philadelphia is coming off a 6-1 victory over Arizona in Game 5 earlier in the weekend. Well, I mean, there are a lot of exciting things that happened in the course of that, but among them was Adoles Garcia hitting that grand slam. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
Congratulations to the Rangers. Again, yeah. trouble in Guadalupe Radio Country with the Rangers and uh, Astros. They just need to get it over with. Just, with just Game 7, to... just get it over with so yeah, that but... all of Texas can be unified. Yes, but I don't know. When, when half of tax, Texas knocks out the other half of Texas, I don't know how unified they'll be in their support going forward with you whoever, think so? whoever carries through. I'm not sure how I this just, rivalry I plays feel out. like, I mean, it will never happen because the... Guardians. I still have to get used to that. The Guardians and the Reds are in different leagues, so we don't yes. have this problem in Ohio. We don't have this problem. But you know what? However, there... if we did, I would root for the Guardians if... I would do that, too. If they defeated the if Reds. They, I in... would root Ohio, Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, it depends on who they'd be playing. But, uh, you know, bear in mind that for a good part of my life and yours, the Astros... We're in the National National League League. and actually Mm -hmm. in the same division as the Reds for a while. Yeah. So. uh, I know it. My, how the tables have turned. Indeed. Indeed. Or the divisions. Of course, our Reds aren't in the playoffs at all, so. Maybe we'll get another expansion team or two in the next few years, and then everybody will be upside down and inside out again. Maybe there just won't be leagues. Eliminate the designated hitter, and it'll be baseball. Again. Unleashed. It'll be baseball again. Well, I mean, don't get me started. (laughs) You're baiting me early on a Monday morning. It is nine minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. And Kevin Schmeezing, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, is here with us. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Got a couple of churches to talk about today, and the first one is in France in the 13th century, so tell us about it. That's right. The Cathedral in Chartres, its description at the UNESCO World Heritage website, calls it the high point of the French Gothic art. It's also been a place of Catholic worship for some 800 years, as you mentioned, going back to the 13th century. It was consecrated this week in 1260. Chartres is located about 50 miles southwest of Paris. It's an ancient city dating back to Roman Gaul. An Episcopal see was established there in the 4th century. So there have been several previous cathedrals by the time Gothic architecture reached its predominance in the High Middle Ages. The building of the current structure began in the late 12th century after a fire devastated the previous church. Some elements of that church such as the crypt and towers, survived, so they were incorporated into the new structure. It was a community effort, as many of these cathedrals were. Various guilds of masons, carpenters, and glaziers contributed their talents. If you can picture a Gothic cathedral, you're probably picturing something pretty close to Chartres. The soaring steeples, the flying buttresses, high stone walls filled with magnificent stained glass, all of that placed on a rise in the center of the city. It was mostly completed with its roof in place by 1220, which is remarkably fast by the standards of medieval cathedral building. By 1260, it was ready to be consecrated. It happened on October 24th, this week in 1260, with the participation, among others, of King Louis IX, St. Louis. There have been a few renovations in the centuries since the current iron and copper roof replaced the original wood and lead one, which was destroyed by fire in the 19th century. But in largest part, what you see today is the Chartres Cathedral that they built in the 13th century, and that was consecrated this week in 1260. Well, much more recently, we had to Maine for another church and a little bit of history about it. Another church, another Gothic church, Matt, with French connections. The Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul in Lewiston, Maine, dedicated this week in 1938. 
It was in the news recently for unfortunate reasons. One of its windows was broken in a rash of vandalism against Catholic churches in Lewiston. It's a monument to the French-Canadian Catholics of southern Maine. In the mid-19th century, French-Canadian immigrants moved to Lewiston in large numbers to work in the growing textile industry. The city's sole Catholic parish at the time, St. Joseph's, became overcrowded, so the French-speaking contingent founded a new parish and constructed the Church of St. Peter in the early 1870s. French Dominicans took charge of the parish a few years later, and it remained a Dominican parish until the 1980s. There doesn't seem to be any record of a formal name change, but at some point in the late 19th century, it became known as Saints Peter and Paul. By the early 20th century, there were 10,000 parishioners and need for a new church. A Belgian architect designed it after the style of what else? The French Gothic cathedrals. The facade is gray granite with two square towers and a rose window modeled on the one at Chartres. The crypt church was finished in 1906. The upper church wasn't built until the 1930s. And on October 23rd, this week in 1938, the completed church was dedicated. It was designated a basilica in 2004, still serves the Catholics of Lewiston, Maine. The Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul dedicated this week in 1938. Pretty cool. And that's a place that people can go and visit, especially those of you listening in New England. Thanks so much, Kevin Schmeezing. We've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. All right, let's check on weather for the nation as you head into the week on a Monday morning. In the eastern U.S., a few showers will be moving through the mid-Atlantic and northeast, but otherwise sunshine and chilly temps today. Remnant moisture from Pacific Hurricane Norma will zoom through Mexico and into Texas today, leading to showers and thunderstorms. Storms will march through the northern Rockies and northern plains today, bringing showers to the shores of Lake Superior and a rain and snow mix to the mountains of Montana. Another area of showers in the Pacific Northwest. A fresh storm system will start to move on shore there. Most of the rain will be limited to the Olympic Peninsula during the day, but it could spread towards Seattle by evening. Otherwise, the West will enjoy a dry start to the week. We're back with headlines after this. It's 14 minutes past the hour. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. 
He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit St. Peter Canisius was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 16 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Pope Francis yesterday called President Biden to discuss the conflict in the Holy Land. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has expressed his condolences to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike that hit a Greek Orthodox church compound in Gaza City last week. And the United Auto Workers president says the union is seeing some progress from GM and Stellantis. I just want to commend you on your heroic efforts to, like, make it through reading things this morning. Yeah, thank you. Into a microphone. Yeah. Because I'm trying to keep it kind of trying to keep my volume keep it, keep low. low key. Try not to go too high. And you lost her voice over the weekend. I, like I had no Which voice. I don't know on if you Saturday. know this, but like, what do they call that? The pup list. The physically oh, unable to yeah. perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I was ever telling Matt about the yesterday on the recently, phone. But... I was like, Matt, Matt, just be aware. If I wake up with no go. voice. I'm going to be writing newscasts for you. I'm on the sideline with my visor and my clipboard, ready to throw on some pads if Annie goes down. So if anybody's watching on the video stream, they'll be seeing me drinking a lot, trying to keep the, yeah, trying to keep everything. You know, talking seems like the easiest thing in the world until you can't do it. Oh my gosh, I know, right? It's it's terrible. It is. It really is. Anyway, I'll be praying for you. you. We're a long way from the Feast of St. Blaise. I know. Um. That was the first thing. Your wife called me on Saturday, and I, of course, did not answer the phone because I had no voice to speak and just texted her and said, I have no voice. And that was the first thing she said. Oh, no, St. Blaise. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was on the edge of losing my voice all week last week because, you know, at the Catholic radio conference, you're in there and you're just talking to people who talk for a living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you lose your voice in those situations just talking nonstop. I saw so many cool people, so many people that we, uh, you know, either talk to on the air or toss to mm-hmm. during promos and that sort of thing. I saw Colin Donovan over by the oh, nice. escalator, sent him our best. Of course, he does open line Fridays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, they put me at the same dinner table as Father Mitch, <laughs> you know, and that was pretty cool. Saw, fa- Hello, saw Father. Uh, I've got a pretty good oh, Father, Matt. I've got a pretty good Father Mitch impression yeah, going I was about to say, with Hello, your voice Matt. kind of like scratchier now, yeah. you might be able to pull it's it off. probably the best best impression i'll be able to do so it's more like sister michelle than father mitch coming out over there but oh uh, uh, well no but yeah i did see um uh, let's see father joseph mary i made sure to flag him down oh, and nice. tell him how much i appreciate him uh and his homilies during the daily masses mm-hmm. as well and plus lots and lots of affiliates you know got stuck in the airport terminal waiting for them to fix a windshield wiper with the folks from am 1260 in cleveland oh neat the rock you know, That's awesome. Out with them, I uh, saw Marcus Peter and Mike Jones from Ave Maria Radio and hung nice. out with them a little bit too. And of course, saw Deborah Rice, who m- many people don't realize is like the actual power behind the throne. Yeah. When it comes to EWTN She's Radio, really the the one, the oil in the machine. And many others saw folks from Real Presence Radio, Spirit Radio, and Omaha. Of course. Wow, Chris people McGregor from all life, over the place. Lifelong connection with them. Yeah. Um, 
and many others, Anna Mitchell. Many of them were very complimentary of you and the things that you do. Well, thanks. So, uh, as I am as well, right? You well, know, of course. It would be really weird and hard and just not as interesting to do this show alone. So, I'm totally with you. Totally so, with you. So, next year, you got to come out. The feeling is mutual. Mutual? Do you All know right. the movie reference? No, I don't, but I've got no beef with you, Anna Mitchell. <laughs> what is the reference? You got to help me. It's from Young Frankenstein. Oh. The feeling is mutual. Okay. <laughs> it's been too long since I've seen that film. I just think, like... It's a good time of year to watch it. Where's that brain from? Abby. Abby, Abby Normal. normal. Is our, you know, actually, Hall- isn't Halloween like a week from yeah, today? Yeah, it's like a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. Yeah. We'll have to have some uh, some segments. we got to get some spooky segments. Some so. Catholics' perspective on Halloween stuff. Yeah. Get Dr. Munson on vampires. Mm. Yeah. It's 21 past. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And many of you are applying butter to your toast. Maybe uh, pat a butter in your oatmeal on top of your pancakes. I don't know what you're doing for breakfast. Maybe you're frying up an egg or two in some butter. It's actually mentioned in the Bible. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning. And you're right about that. When I fry eggs, it's almost every day I use butter. Well, you got chickens, so you got to do something with those eggs. <laughs> Uh, But where does it show up in the Bible? Oh, gosh, uh, more than a few places. A couple of the most familiar ones, Matt. um, uh, One of the most familiar, you know, the passage about a land of milk and honey. 
Um, and we know that there had to be a whole lot of milk and, and cream from the animals like goats, camels, cows, and sheep. And then in Proverbs, um, in uh, chapter 30, this is a, a sort of a different one. As the churning of cream yields butter and a blow to the nose causes bleeding, so anger causes quarrels. And, and there's an analogy there, too. But, yeah, butter was a very, very common ingredient during Bible days. All right. So some people might say you got to cut back on the butter because it's going to clog your arteries. Uh, where's your... Uh... Where's your stance on that, knowing, of course, that you're not a health professional? Well, you know what? Um, True, but here's my take on it. To me, your body knows what to do with something natural. Yeah, butter is a fat, but it's a natural fat. And I, like you, I just say just don't overdo, Matt. Um, I think it's a whole lot better than when you think of the hydrogenated shortening. So, yeah, butter certainly does have a place in our everyday cooking. As I said, just don't overdo. I would rather have real butter than weird fake oh, stuff yeah. any day yeah. <laughs> where you can't pronounce anything on the back of the tub. Um, that's for sure. But let's talk about salted versus unsalted butter because uh, I use salted butter for almost everything. But every now and then you'll see a recipe that calls for the unsalted specifically. Uh, so what's the point of salted versus unsalted? Well, salted butter, I think it adds flavor, but it also acts as a preservative. So that's why you can keep it in the fridge for a long time. Now, unsalted butter, it it has a shorter shelf life in the fridge. Um, The taste is really, really good. But if you're going to buy butter on sale, especially unsalted, keep it in the freezer for long uh, periods of time. All right. So do you ever swap out salted versus unsalted butter in recipes at all? Oh, yeah, a a lot of times. And and I think in most cases, I agree with you, you can do that, but here's the deal. If a recipe, if all you have is salted butter and the recipe definitely calls for unsalted, um, just add a little less salt to the recipe. But pretty much I use them, you know, swap them one for one. And as I said, I know you do too. So uh, while we're talking breakfast stuff, I, I don't know if you've ever run across this with any of your people who uh, are into like paleo, keto stuff. You know anybody who ever puts butter in their coffee? Mm, not have heard of that one. Okay, it's like a thing. I know some people who swear by it. Uh, I'll, I'll just have to, uh, I'll have to trust them. It's, it's a little bit weird. The other thing that my uh, dad used to do, uh, and I remember this as a kid, is he would, uh, we'd get donuts, and he'd put a donut in the microwave for about fifteen seconds. Then he would take it out and butter it. So oh. he's still alive. He's and still you alive. Know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that just shows you it didn't overdo, but that's pretty cool. I know, um, just like some people have to have ketchup or jelly on their eggs. So that's not a bad thing. You know, butter's okay. Butter indeed. Well, you've got a praline crunch snack mix that l- looks amazing. I love pralines. I could eat my weight in pralines. And this looks like it would be a great, just like a fall snack to maybe even take on a trail. Oh, yeah, and it is. And um, I'll have the complete recipe along with a spicy buffalo check mix recipe on my site. And basically the, the praline crunch snack mix you take um, some oat square cereal and some pecans, or you could use other nuts, too. And um, it, you just basically put those in a bowl and mix them up. And they're sort of like the caramel popcorn syrup out of brown sugar, corn syrup, butter, vanilla, little baking soda, and salt. But then you're going to add some cinnamon to that, too. 
and you pour, you know, you cook um, the syrup on the stove and then coat the cereal mixture um, really well with it. And then just like the caramel corn, you pour it onto cookie sheets and bake it at 250, about 45 minutes or so, and I usually stir it every 15 minutes. Um, after it cools, you break it into pieces, and you get that uh, praline flavor um, along with a little bit of savory fit flavors as well. It, yeah, it's pretty addictive, I have to say. I'm telling you, it sounds amazing. You got the buffalo mix as well, too. Oh, yeah, and this is one I thought of you with because you and your love of hot hot flavors. Um, it's a fun one, too. You start off with some uh, rice checks and wheat checks um, or even oat checks and then some cheese-flavored crackers and some pretzel twists, those little little tiny ones, and you mix all that up. And then you just melt um, some butter and some hot wing sauce. Uh, we like the buffalo. Uh, dry ranch dressing. I know it sounds weird, but it's good. Um, and if you have any celery seed or celery salt, a little bit of that. You melt that. Again, you pour it over the, the cereal um, pretzel cracker mix. And you can either microwave it or uh, bake it in the oven like the pecan praline mix. And, um, again, after it's cooled, it's crunchy, it's savory, a little bit sweet, and just so delicious. So either one of those are great for snacking, especially this time of year when we're outdoors a lot. I'm about to say, I think I know what I'm going to bring to my next church potluck. I my think, goodness. <laughs> and you'll, you'll adapt it, too, I know. I'm going to put the buffalo checks mix on the appetizer table, and I'll put the praline snack mix at the dessert table, and we'll be set. Well, Rita Heikenfeld, thank you as always. And we've got AboutEating.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com, including those recipes in the show notes for the Praline Crunch Snack Mix and the Spicy Buffalo Chex Mix. Rita, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, Matt, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I know that some of you are having, you know, trunk or treats and various parish and school-related, you know, little Catholic school thingies and need some snacks for the grown-ups while the kids are eating candy corn and Kit Kats. Great recipe ideas for that. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has called President Biden to discuss the conflict in the Middle East. The White House says the two leaders spoke by phone yesterday about the latest developments in Israel and Gaza. For its part, the Vatican said the Pope stressed the need to identify paths of peace. During his Sunday Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis once again called for peace in Gaza and Israel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Pope expressed his worry and grief over what is happening in Israel and Palestine. Ancora una volta il mio pensiero va a quanto sta accadendo in Israele e in Palestina. I am very concerned, grieved, he said, noting, I pray and I am close to all those who are suffering, the hostages, the injured, the victims, and their families. The Pope said he is very concerned over the grave humanitarian situation in Gaza, and he was saddened that the Anglican Hospital and the Greek Orthodox Parish were hit in the war violence in recent days. Penso alla grave situazione umanitaria a Gaza e mi addolora che anche l'ospedale anglicano e la parrocchia greco-ortodossa. I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened, for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive, and for hostages to be released, he said. E si liberano gli ostaggi. 
war, every war in the world. I am also thinking of the tormented Ukraine, the Pope continued, is a defeat. La guerra, ogni guerra che è nel mondo, penso anche alla martoriata ucraina, è una sconfitta. War, he said, always is a defeat, for it is a destruction of human fraternity. Brothers, stop, stop, he said. Fratelli, fermatevi, fermatevi. The Pope then recalled that he has called for on Friday, the 27th of October, a day of fasting, prayer, and penance. That day, in St. Peter's at 6 p.m. Rome time, there will be an hour of prayer for peace in our world. Vivremo un'ora di preghiera. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike struck a Greek Orthodox church in Gaza last week. Vatican News reports at least 18 people were killed when the church of St. Porphyrius in Gaza was struck on Thursday. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa spoke to an Italian television station saying, quote, the pain of those families who have already been suffering for a long time is enormous, and we are with them. We pray that this situation ends as soon as possible. He said, let's hope that reason returns to those who make decisions. War and bombs, he said, have never solved problems. On the contrary, they always create new ones, end quote. In Washington, former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is now backing House Majority Whip Tom Emmer to take over the gavel. Trey Thomas reports. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, McCarthy said the Minnesota congressman knows how to do the job. We got a wide open southern border. We got crushing inflation. We got war in the Middle East. This is not a moment in time to play around with learning on the job. He added that Emmer can bring the Republican Party together as well as focus on the country's needs. I'm Trey Thomas. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain says the union is seeing progress from GM and Stellantis. Brian Shook has more. He said in a Facebook Live update that there is more to be won. Fain's presentation comes on the heels of GM passing another offer to the UAW for a 23% general wage increase for a 25% compounded boost over the life of the pact. That's according to the company. But Fain said these profitable companies have more to give. I'm Brian Shook. A federal judge is blocking the state of Colorado from enforcing a law that would ban health clinics from abortion pill reversal. A U.S. District Court judge announced the ruling on Saturday, saying there are religious freedom issues surrounding the law that the state has yet to answer. The preliminary injunction applies only to Bella Health and Wellness, which is a Catholic health clinic that sued the state over the new law. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. 
With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius, and inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, October the 23rd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Frost advisory in effect today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-30s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it will get warmer today, mostly sunny and a high of 65 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 49 Partly cloudy and warmer tomorrow with a high of 76. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some morning frost, then sunshine today with a high of 64 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 46. It'll be mostly sunny initially tomorrow with increasing afternoon clouds and a high tomorrow of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m., Check out the video stream online at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on Monday morning. Father John Gavin joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. It's good to have you back. And we are headed to Catechism Paragraph 834 today in our continuing series, Studying the Church Fathers, quoted in the Catechism. And this is in the the section on the marks of the Church, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And we are in the Catholic part now, the subheading is um, about the particular churches. Can you explain what the particular churches are, first of all? Certainly. So we were looking last time at uh, the word Catholic in the sense of universal and uh, the way in which the church, uh, first of all, is, is universal throughout the world, but also in history uh, shares that universal faith that she has received from Christ. But we can also speak of particular churches in the sense of particular dioceses with their bishops, successors to the apostles, and, of course, the particular churches within that diocese. In other words, uh, we can speak about the uh, universality of the church in the way the church is manifested in particular places and times throughout the world. Yet, at the same time, in the paragraph we're about to look at, uh, these particular churches are united in the universal church, uh, especially identified with Rome. Okay, so let's read paragraph 834. It says, particular churches are fully Catholic through their communion with one of them, the Church of Rome, which presides in charity. For with this church, by reason of its preeminence, the whole church, that is, the faithful everywhere, must necessarily be in accord Indeed, from the incarnate words descent to us, all Christian churches everywhere have held and hold the great church that is here at Rome to be their only basis and foundation, since according to the Savior's promise, the gates of hell have never prevailed against her. 
Now, there are several church fathers who are quoted in here. Mm-hmm. I see um, Ignatius of Antioch. I see St. Irenaeus. Mm-hmm. But the one that we are going to be focusing on is your boy, St. Maximus mm-hmm. the Confessor. And this is his quote. It says, from the incarnate words descent to us, all Christian churches everywhere have held and hold the great church that is here at Rome to be their only basis and foundation, since according to the Savior's promise, the gates of hell have never prevailed against her. Where does that come from, Father? So this comes from uh, one of uh, Maximus's Apostola Theologica. There are a series of short theological treatises dealing with various theological problems of, of the time. And uh, just to give a little bit of background on uh, St. Maximus and what this particular passage is discussing very briefly. I mean, St. Maximus, as you say, he's one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, I did my doctoral dissertation on him, so I, I love coming to him. And he's called a confessor not because uh, he was hearing confessions, but uh, <laughs> we have to go to the Greek word for confess. It's, it's homologain, homologain, from the words homos, which means the same, and legain, to speak. So a confessor is someone who speaks the same language or speaks mm. the same way with someone. He's a confessor because he speaks the language of the church. He speaks with what the church teaches. And generally, a confessor is someone who suffered for uh, speaking uh, the truth of the faith. Uh, and this is the case with Maximus. Uh, he was a Greek-speaking monk who lived from 580 to 662. And in his later life, he became involved in what was called the monopolite controversy, the question of whether or not Christ had one or two wills. And Maximus defended the two wills of Christ, because both human and divine, because if he doesn't have a human will, uh, he's not fully human. He's not fully one of us, and therefore does not save us. And he actually went to Rome, in, uh, and allied himself to the new pope, uh, Pope Martin, Pope St. Martin, uh, in 649. There was a Lateran council that re- uh, rejected monothelitism, that is, that Christ only has one will. This led to the arrest and exile of Pope Martin by the emperor, who was trying to create a compromise uh, formula, and Pope Martin died in exile, and then Maximus was arrested himself and went through two trials and eventually had his tongue cut out and his right hand cut off. Goodness. uh, So that he couldn't write or speak. Yes. Uh, But in the end, in his trial, he said this, I don't have a teaching of my own, but the common one of the Catholic Church. I mean that I haven't initiated any expression at all that could be called my own teaching. In this case, his defense of the two wills of Christ led to his confession and torture and exile. But he recognized Rome and Pope Martin as a place of unity and where that, uh, where that truth and that orthodoxy was being spoken. So that's a little bit behind that quote. And he's kind of seen as uh, a church father who was a bridge between East and West, which would make him a particularly mm-hmm. important witness when talking about the centrality of Rome. Absolutely. I think uh, you, you'll see debates between East and West, or East and Western Christians, about the significance of Maximus's uh, relationship with Rome. I mean, this is one quote of, of a number we have in which he speaks this way, and 
the, some Easterners would say, well, he's just saying that Rome is orthodox in this occasion or something like that. I think there's a uh, – really what we have to say is Maximus recognized the primacy of Rome, which Eastern churches did, but at the same time recognized a particular charism there, especially expressed in this case in, in Pope St. Martin, of uh, speaking the same language. Uh, that is what Pope must do, speak along with and speak the same language of the tradition uh, and the truths that we have received from Christ through the apostles. Now, this might be really, really incredibly basic, Father, but why is it that Rome is prime here? So, uh, and recognized in this time, both East and West, that, uh, of course, Rome has this identification with Peter, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the one whom our Lord uh, calls the rock, right? And is given this particular authority. So uh, just as we recognize the apostolic succession, there is a particular role of Peter and his successors as the, the focus of unity and the handing on of that tradition. Uh, the Church lives in history and in the world, and so we see uh, a place and a person around which the Church uh, can, can gather in that unity in her pilgrimage in time. And I think Maximus you know, is a great witness to that. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to being in communion with Rome, mm. can you talk about what that means from a a practical standpoint in terms mm. of you look at Eastern Catholic traditions and, mm. and you see a lot of differences from Roman Catholicism. So what is right. it that that unifies all of the particular churches under Rome? So, again, we have to go back to this paragraph. There is a recognition, of course, that each and every bishop is a successor to the apostles, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, this unity with Rome, uh, there is you know, there will be debates, of course, uh, throughout history about how that governance and relation takes place, as it is even today. But I think ultimately that communion must come through both Rome's and the other churches' uh, confession, uh, the speaking the same language of the faith, and the sharing in uh, the sacraments is really the unifying elements that bring all to Rome. Rome must always be that, that place that, uh, and the Pope that is handing on that tradition in the right way. That's where the focal point comes, is that adherence to what we receive in the, in the, in the tradition of the Church. We've been talking to Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, from Catholic University of America Press, linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. Father, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. God bless. You too, Father. Thank you very much. All right. It's coming up on 13 till here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back right after this. Stay with us. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. 
Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. The EWTN on-demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the global Catholic network. 12 till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has called President Biden to discuss the conflict in the Holy Land. The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike struck a Greek Orthodox church in Gaza last week. And in Washington, former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is now backing House Majority Whip Tom Emmer to take over the gavel. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I thought it'd be interesting to uh, talk a little bit about something that came up in OCIA class yesterday. Oh, cool. Okay. About the Antichrist. Oh. You know, when we talk about him on here, we usually don't get too excited about it. You know, I, back in my evangelical days, you know, bear in mind, I worked at Family Christian Store and was involved in youth groups and stuff in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, and the... Uh, the end times Bible stuff was hot. I mean, it was real hot. Oh, yeah. Well, so that was we, the time of um, the Left Behind, the Left Behind series, series. We were right? a generation removed from the late great planet Earth and Hal Lindsey, but Lindsey was still around. Lots and lots of people prognosticating. I don't really uh, know what that means, but okay. It means uh, making a lot of noise about the end times. Lindsey? Hal Lindsey, yes. Oh, is that I the actually, author? I, I don't back. even know, honestly. Well, hold on. Okay. Those not watching video can not see just that for the going video, back people, to his. I've just got my copy of Hal Lindsey's The 1980s oh, Countdown to Armageddon. That looks like a really intense I also book. have back here. Lots of red on that cover. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. I've got it back oh, here, too. Neat. Uh, yeah, so that's why uh, Wizenant, I think, is the author. Are these things that you, like, reference often in your Coming not Home Network often, videos? Not often, but you Often hate to enough throw them that out. you want to... You hate to throw them out. <laughs> All right, so there are a few different places that uh, that the Antichrist is mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. So we used to play this little game, you know, because as evangelicals, we didn't have like a magisterium per se. We had the Bible and we had our own like takes on it. And people right. like Hal Lindsey saying, I don't know, man, I think that this... Uh, 
this thing actually means Russian helicopters are predicted in the scriptures. And you oh, know, there's all kinds of stuff going? like that. So, I have my Bible here, too. So I got First John 4. Okay. I believe it is. That's where, that's where he says God is love. Yes. Um, is it First John 4? I'm going to lose it. Um, but, oh, no, here it is. Yes, it is. Uh, so uh, verse 2, it says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Oh, do you have a the Antichrist? Mine Um, says this is the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah, and I'm actually, I grabbed the New International Version, which is a Protestant translation. It was the closest thing handy. Oh, interesting. So it says the Antichrist? Uh, Yes, but it doesn't have a capitalized in Antichrist. Sure, okay. Uh, various translations. I should have had a parallel Bible. Um, we're talking about this because Father Briscoe dropped off the line. He's he's sick. He's sick. But so, you know, a, a person without a magisterium has a lot of interesting things to sort of process in terms of, okay, what does this mean? Denying that Jesus come, has come in the flesh makes you antichrist? Like, mm. is the antichrist, whoever he is, that rises up, you know, somewhere in the year 2000 or in 1988 on Rosh Hashanah, is he going to get up and say, Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh? Is that what this mm. means? So as we're reading through the section on Jesus in OCIA yesterday, we come to a little passage on a group that you may know uh, called the Nestorians. Ah. Oh, no, I'm sorry, the Docetists. The Docetists. Okay, I've heard of them too. So in it, there's this whole question of the incarnation of Jesus and the problem of, you know, did Jesus really become flesh? And it goes into this whole uh you know, really great explanation of, of who Jesus is and, and how we can know his love by his presence in the world, how he's our model of holiness, how all these things have happened, and that there's been some controversies over the years over what it means that Jesus came. And one of the earliest controversies, it says right here in the Catechism, in paragraph 465, it did not deny Christ's divinity as much as his true humanity. From apostolic times, the Christian faith has insisted on the true incarnation of God's Son come in the flesh. But already... In the 3rd century, the church in the council at Antioch had to affirm against Paul of Samosata that Jesus Christ is Son of God by nature and not adoption. All right, what's going on there? All right, when when you understand that docetism is an early Christian heresy, they don't they believe Jesus is divine, but they think about all his miracles and think maybe this guy wasn't even really human. Oh, yeah. That he didn't really come in the flesh. The docetists essentially, and this is not like a really technical way for them to put it, it's kind of an anachronistic way for me to put it, but they, would, they basically thought Jesus was a hologram, <laughs> that he had not come in the flesh, that there was this illusion of a man-shaped, you know, patch of light going around doing all these things. Mm. And so when John, in 1 John chapter 4, in the first few verses, says anyone who denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is anti-Christ. Yeah. They're it's... against this anointed Messiah who is the Son of God. Right. So later on, that helps make a whole lot more sense of a guy whose feast we celebrated last week, St. Ignatius of Antioch. Oh, sure. Who says, when talking about some people you should stay away from, he says, They abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they do not confess that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, flesh which suffered for our sins and which that Father and his goodness raised up again. It's interesting to me, Anna Mitchell, that the debate that 
St. Ignatius is engaging is not whether or not Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, but whether the Eucharist is rather the flesh and blood of Christ against the arguments of the other kinds of people who would say, well, why would it need to be his flesh? Because he was never in flesh to begin with. It's a spiritual thing, just like he was only ever spiritually here to begin with. Mm. And Ignatius is fighting back against that sort of hologram Jesus theology. And why that? Why is that interesting? Because who did St. Ignatius of Antioch study under? Polycarp. And? No. Um, John. John the Apostle. Yeah. Sorry, not Polycarp. He was friends with they Polycarp. They were buddies. They both studied under John the Apostle. And what did John the Apostle write in 1 John 4? People who deny that Jesus has come in the flesh are against Christ. They're anti-Christ. So where do you think Ignatius learned this stuff from? John from his himself. mentor who was fighting the same ideas. Super interesting. At any rate, that's the kind of things we talk about in our OCIA class. I don't know what other people talk about in theirs. <laughs> By the way, it's really, I'm looking at a bunch of different translations of this verse. First yeah. John 4, 3. The only one that I see Antichrist capitalized is in the uh, King James Version. Interesting. Yeah. Well. And now the Third Millennium Bible, Ooh. whatever that is. Sounds apocalyptic. Another full hour coming up. It's Three Tilt. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith, and Dr. Scott Hahn will discuss his new book, Catholics in Exile. Andrea Picciotti Bear will talk about the issue of misgendering and religious freedom. I'll speak about the terrible violence that's capable from the human soul, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon, beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Young adults, have you thought about God's calling for your life? We invite you to consider consecrating your life to God as a member of the Catholic Corps. Dedicate your life to prayer and enjoy living in community with like-minded Catholics. Support families through helping host events and spreading the message of total consecration to Jesus through Mary in union with St. Joseph. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing you care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, 
and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. Unique rosaries including custom-made, one-of-a-kind rosaries and Catholic books and gifts for all occasions. Online at St. Michael's Custom Rosaries.com. That's ST Michael's Custom Rosaries.com. This is Father Benedict Kinsler, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Monday, the 23rd of October. Let's begin this hour with a prayer to St. Joseph by Pope Pius X. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glorious St. Joseph, model of all who are devoted to labor, obtain for me the grace to work in the spirit of penance, and expiation of my many sins. To work conscientiously by placing love of duty above my inclinations. To be grateful and joyously, deem it an honor to employ and to develop by labor the gifts I have received from God, to work methodically, peacefully, and in moderation and patience, without ever shrinking from it through weariness or difficulty to work. Above all, with purity of intention and unselfishness, having unceasingly before my eyes death and the account I have to render of time lost, talents unused, good not done, and vain complacency in success, so baneful to the work of God. All for Jesus, all for Mary, all to imitate thee, O Patriarch St. Joseph. This shall be my motto for life and eternity. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday. I don't usually get the amen on that last piano hit, but I got it today. It's going to be a good day. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is running the video feed, which you can see in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll catch up with Teresa Tamio, who is somewhere, somewhere in Italy this morning. Monsignor Charles Pope will discuss the First Commandment this morning. Uh, Dr. Jared Stout will talk Eucharistic heresies from the Protestant era of uh, those first few years of Martin Luther and Zwingli and everybody else kind of blowing up Eucharistic theology, and uh, he'll discuss some of the different directions that that went. And then Stephanie Mann will be along as well as we continue our tour through English Catholic history with us, and uh, we're going to talk about the 40 martyrs of England and Wales today. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis called President Biden yesterday to discuss the conflict in the Middle East. The White House says the two leaders spoke by phone yesterday about the latest developments in Israel and Gaza. Along with condemning the attack by Hamas on Israeli citizens, the White House said the president affirmed the need to protect civilians in Gaza. The Vatican said the Pope stressed the need to identify paths to peace. And during his Sunday Angelus address, the Holy Father once again called for peace in Gaza and Israel. He said, quote, I am very concerned, grieved. I pray and I am close to all those who are suffering, the hostages, the wounded, the victims and their families, 
saying, I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive and for hostages to be freed, end quote. The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox patriarchate after an airstrike last week struck a Greek Orthodox church. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The pain of those families who have already been suffering for a long time is enormous and we are by their side. Cardinal Pizzaballa, speaking to Italian Catholic television TV 2000, expressed hope that reason may return to those who make decisions. War and bombs have never solved problems, he said. On the contrary, they always create new ones. Patriot Pizzaballa further explained that the 1,000-strong Catholic community in Gaza has decided to stay regardless of dangers because they don't know where to go and no place in the Strip is safe. He noted that despite all that is going on, they managed to maintain an unwavering faith even under the bombs. On Friday, the ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople held a phone conversation with the Greek Orthodox Patriarch of Jerusalem, Theophilus, to express his condolences for the victims and his best wishes for a speedy recovery of the injured. Patriarch Bartholomew also said he hoped that peace and security may be restored as soon as possible for everyone in the region. The airstrike on St. Porphyrius, which came only two days after the strike on Al-Ali Baptist Hospital, killing hundreds, has drawn strong condemnation from churches, including the World Council of Churches. The ecumenical body has called on the international community to enforce protections for sanctuaries of refuge in Gaza, including hospitals, schools and places of worship. I am Lisa Zengarini. Caritas Jerusalem has expressed grief and outrage after a staff member and her family were killed in that rocket blast that hit the church hall in Gaza. The statement says they were among 411 people who had taken refuge in the hall adjacent to St. Porphyria's church. At least 18 people died when the rocket hit that hall Thursday night. Caritas Jerusalem said in a statement, quote, in the face of heart-wrenching developments in the ongoing Israel-Hamas conflict, we continue to hold on to hope for a return to peace in the Holy Land. As Caritas Jerusalem, our mission remains unwavering. They said Caritas Jerusalem is committed to providing support and relief to those enduring unimaginable hardships. And our vision is one of peace, compassion, and unity, end quote. In Washington, House Republicans are set to meet tonight in their latest efforts to find a speaker. The position has been vacant since Republicans ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy on October 3rd, bringing business of the House to a standstill. After multiple failed attempts by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan to win the gavel, lawmakers will hold a candidate forum tonight to evaluate a number of Republican candidates who have thrown their hats into the ring. An internal vote to find a new candidate is set for tomorrow. A federal judge is blocking the state of Colorado from enforcing a law that bans health clinics from using the abortion pill reversal. A U.S. District Court judge announced the ruling Saturday, saying there are religious freedom issues surrounding the law that the state has yet to answer. The preliminary injunction applies only to Bella Health and Wellness, a Catholic health clinic that sued the state over the new law. 
And week eight of the college football season is now in the rearview mirror. The weekend was highlighted by my Ohio State Buckeyes taking down Penn State 20 to 12 in a top 10 matchup in Columbus. Meanwhile, in Tuscaloosa, I'm sorry, Matt, Alabama scored 27 unanswered points in the second half to storm past Tennessee 34 to 20 in SEC action out west. Utah prevailed over reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans 34 to 32 in Los Angeles. Wait, that's you... two weeks in a row that USC has lost. Wow, that's that's pretty that's pretty intense. Unusual. Unusual. Yeah. With USC and Utah. Indeed. Matt, I was really pulling for your volunteers. I know. I'm sorry. We always pull them from. You know, is it? It looks so uh, promising. Is it Utah University or the University of Utah? Uh, Or is it the University of Taw? Oh, Matt. I'm just wondering because, like, is it UU? Is that like what what they call it? UU. Yeah, I think it's two U's that are linked together on their helmet, right? It's like wait a a double a double a double U. Indeed. Man. Working in logos is is hard. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection, and it's a production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Teresa, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's everybody? Doing well. You know, I missed you. I was at the Catholic Radio Conference in Birmingham, and almost everybody mm-hmm. was there except for you. Almost. Because I was leading a pilgrimage with 45 women from around the U.S. of A. I couldn't make it. I know I missed it. I'm so uh, sorry. No, How and Al Cresta couldn't make it either, but he got like a major kind of legacy achievement. I can't remember the name of the award, but it was basically like a person who has like done a, a lifetime's worth of amazing things award. One of those. It went to Al, so congratulate him for me. Oh, don't tell me we lost Teresa. Or did we lose me? Annie, I'll tell you about it in a moment. There's no Annie. There's no anybody. All right, well, I'm just going to tell you all that uh, I was going to say some amazing things to Teresa about, you know, how much I appreciate Al and how deserving I thought he was of the award. But I'll just tell you all instead. Al Cresta from Ave Maria Radio got the uh, got the, the really good guy for a long time in Catholic Radio Award. If I find the name of the actual award, I will let you, I will let you all know. But uh, since he wasn't there, Mike Jones from Ave Maria was able to deliver it on his behalf. Also saw Marcus Peter, my bud Marcus Peter from Ave Maria Radio out there and lots of other cool people from all the affiliates that help put Catholic Radio on in your area. Uh, You name them, I I saw a lot of people. Got to head down to Hansville to the shrine there for a little bit and uh, check out their Eucharistic uh, exhibit. They've got a pretty cool one. It's like an interactive sort of immersive Eucharistic display. Some of you have been down to this and know what I'm talking about, but it's, you know, videos and sort of like, you know, sculpted images. And there's like a, like a, you know, replicas of different things and you walk through it. And of course it's on the campus down there in Hannibal and uh, it's a, it's a beautiful spot. So glad to be down at EWTN last weekend. I don't get out of my uh, cage very often to get down there, but I'm always glad when I do. Do we have Teresa back? I'm here. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I lost you. Well, all I was going to say is I did get to see Mike Jones and Marcus Peter there. And uh, uh-huh. it's always great to talk to those guys. And Marcus and I are, are buddies. You know, he's a young pup, like younger than me. And there's not many people younger than me in Catholic radio. So I'm always I'm always glad to, you know, 
kind of give him a hard time. Yeah, he's a, he's an amazing addition to our staff. He, he was formerly, as you know, at the Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and just an amazing, gifted man in, in all things, of course, Catholic, but also a great marketer, so we're happy to have yeah, him. Yeah, a former Pentecostal preacher. It helps to have a former yeah. Pentecostal preacher in marketing. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. There you go. So what you been up to? Well, as I was mentioning, the reason I missed the um, the wonderful radio conference, which I'm so bummed because I always love to be there, but we did have a beautiful pilgrimage with 45 women from across the country, myself and Kelly Walquist, the foundress of wine. It's our annual wine and shrine tour. This is the first one we've had since COVID, though, since 2019. So it was a, a just beautiful, beautiful trip. And we went all over Umbria, went up to Florence, Siena, San Gimignano. Uh, we saw Santa, of course, Chiara, San Francesco, so many saints, Carlo Acutis, and then came down to Rome and wrapped things up yesterday and sent the ladies off on their way. But a great trip and a wonderful spiritual director who is from the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, Father John Clockman. And so many great homilies that he gave every single day for us. But my favorite had to do with our Blessed Mother. And listen to this phrase, hindsight brings insight for foresight. Hindsight brings insight for foresight. I love that. It was all about the Blessed Mother's ability to consistently reflect and ponder and how we should do the same. Yeah, she kept all those things and pondered them in her heart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And what is one of the things she kept and pondered in her heart is Simeon saying, a sword will pierce your heart also, right? Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. what an interesting thing to to look back on something that's a reference to the future which is what she would have been doing by pondering that thing in her heart. Right, but I don't think we, and even on a pilgrimage, because you're seeing a lot, and I was telling the ladies, and Kelly and I always always stress this, and Tika Dom and I do the same, and we're leading another pilgrimage next month, but people don't take enough time to slow down in life in general. And when you're on pilgrimage, it's even more important because you're being hit with so many powerful emotions and scenery and religious art and messages that it's just, you're just really... It takes your breath away consistently throughout the day, and so it's important to take some downtime, and we encourage it for pilgrims. Okay, so we're giving you a couple hours off. Just go and, and just sit and just think about what you saw today. Maybe go back to the Church of St. Francis or St. Clair, whatever you can do, but take that time to ponder. And not only thinking back, but remembering God's promises, as Mary did, for the future. Remembering God is, is who he says he is. He doesn't lie. And so he is going to do something with our lives. It may not be what we thought. It may not be what we had planned. But put yourself in his hands. And as a great Christian evangelical singer, Stephen Curtis Chapman, one of my favorites, says in a, in a recent song he came out with just a few years ago called Remember to Remember. So remember what the Lord has done and remember his promises of what he's going to do. So ties in perfectly, I think, with the homily of Father Clockman. Hindsight brings insight for foresight. All right. And SC Square, if you're listening, give me a call, man. We should catch up. <laughs> well, so, listen, yeah, good to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you keep us posted because you're all over the place. I asked Mike Jones, I was like, how do I get into, how do I, do you have a, a, a handy way for me to, like, sneak into Teresa's luggage, you know, for one of these things? <laughs> so, and he's much answer? more. What did he say? No, well, he said, I don't know. He said, I got, I got no idea how she goes everywhere she goes. Is that, that's the closest <laughs> I can get to a Mike Jones impression. But, there you go. That was good, actually. Very good. But at any rate, you send my best to everybody there on pilgrimage, and uh, anybody who joins you along the way, you you tell them that the friend of a friend of Teresa's is a friend of ours. Uh, there you go. All right, we'll talk to you next week. All right, it's a quarter past. We will be back with headlines right after this. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? 
Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries, which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis yesterday called President Biden to discuss the conflict in the Holy Land. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike struck a Greek Orthodox church last week. And House Republicans are set to meet again tonight in their latest efforts to find a new Speaker of the House. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Today, the Feast of San Juan Capistrano. Ah, yeah, the bird's coming back today. The birds, the swallows, mm-hmm. as it were. Is it swallows? Is that the bird that they got in, uh, in San Juan? I think you're right. I'm, I'm sure it is. Wow. I'm, it sounds like swallows. But it's not the salmon of Capistrano, Paul Lockman. I know what he's thinking over there. Swallows Day. Swallows Day. What is Swallows, swallows. Day? Swallows. The famous Cliff Swallows of San Juan Capistrano leave town every year in a swirling mass near the day of San Juan. Okay, so so they, they should be taken off any time now. Yeah. Maybe they already have. And then they'll return sometime around the Feast of St. Joseph. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Do they end up in San Jose for that? Because that would make sense. That would be neat, but... If they left from San Juan Capistrano on the Feast of St. John Capistrano and returned to San Jose on the Feast of St. Joseph. So, uh, Swallows, if you're listening, you should plan that. It would plan be really, that. Make it happen. It would be really symbolically cool. Um, <laughs> but St. John of Capistrano uh, was uh, a lawyer. Um, he studied law at the University of Perugia. And then when war broke out with, between a couple of uh, kingdoms, he tried to broker a peace and that didn't go well. He ended up as a prisoner of war. And it was during that time as a prisoner of war uh, that he decided that his vocation was actually to 
uh, the priesthood. Uh, so he studied under St. Bernardine of Siena. Nice. And went on to do all kinds of things. Uh, and after the fall of Constantinople, he was involved in a crusade. At age 70, uh, he was actually put at the head of 70,000 Christian soldiers to go out first, wow. uh, you know, as a chaplain to the to a group of 70,000 guys. Uh, he ended up dying in the field a few months later. Uh, but, yes, he is a uh, – he's one of the many great Franciscan saints in uh, church history. Which is why there is a mission in California named for him where these swallows depart from every year on his feast day because, of course – Blessed Junipero Serra, a Franciscan missionary, going up the coast of California and founding all of these missions, and many of them named for the Franciscans. That's why the San Diego Padres are called the Padres, right? That's true, because of the Franciscan missions. And did you know, Anna Mitchell, that in February of 1984, John Paul II, whose feast was yesterday, mm-hmm. named him as a patron saint of military chaplains. Oh, no, so, I didn't know that. I want to give a shout-out to anyone who has that uh, on their resume today. I've known a lot of people who have uh, done military chaplaincy work for some time and then ended up in parish work, perhaps after retirement. And uh, So if you're in active military chaplaincy or if you are retired from military chaplaincy, happy feast day, happy feast day to, to you. you this morning. So there you have it. And now you know. If you know a military chaplain, go tell him happy feast day. I bet you bet you the folks at Armor of God Radio know a few. I would imagine so. St. John of Capistrano, pray, pray for, for us. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com.
Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Monsignor Charles Pope. You can find him online at MonsignorPope.com, and he writes for the Archdiocese of Washington at blog.adw.org. Good morning, Monsignor Pope. Good morning. We're going to be talking about the first commandment today. It says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, of course, we know there are those who deliberately reject, choose to not believe in God, you know, those who are deliberately atheist or agnostic for that matter. My question to you is about those who, when asked, would probably say, yeah, I believe in God, but he's not really, you know, a big part of my life. How do those people square up with the first commandment? Well, uh, they're engaged in basically what we used to call idolatry, you know, um, or maybe some of them are agnostics. So you got, you got, I think the two, you know, the agnostics are kind of what I call the lazy atheists. You say, well, I don't, I don't know, so I'm just going to get on with my day. Um, but uh, there's another group that sort of fashion their own designer gods, you know, um, the god within and um, the, um, you know, that kind of stuff, the god of my understanding, you know, and they always just happen to agree with me. And uh, they tend to uh, ascribe worship. I'm not religious and spiritual. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's um, kind of a very convenient uh, invent-your-own-God. We used to call that idolatry. So you could have got two other options than just outright, you know, atheism or out, out, outright idolatry. It's a kind of a soft idolatry. You know? Sure. So when we look at the First Commandment, um, those people might think, well, this is a pretty selfish demand that God is is placing on us. Um, mm, but yeah. aren't the commandments, Monsignor Pope, aren't they set out for our own good? Yeah, if, if you if you look at um, why would yeah why would God command us? It's not because He has a big ego. God is perfectly happy without us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, God doesn't need me. Um, and he doesn't, you know, need uh, praise or accolades and so on. Um, he's perfectly, you know, just he has all all happiness. Now, that said, then yeah, as you point out, the commandments are for our sake. So, what what starts to happen to an individual and the culture when we stop believing in God? And a lot of things start falling apart really fast. Um, and I think it's Chesterton who said, you know, that it's not that. People don't, if they stop believing in God, they don't believe, uh, they believe in nothing, but that they'll believe in anything. Mm -hmm. And this is what we see a lot of today, huh? Um, So you have that. um, But you also have just us as individuals, you know, people, well, man is a religious animal. (laughs) If if we're not going to believe in God, we're going to end up, you know, putting belief in something. You know, people, for example, when we get rid of the story of Genesis uh, about the fatal flaw of the human person, we have to reinvent it, and we're all evil because we're ruining the climate or something. You know, it, it always gets reinvented in some way that tends to be harmful. Um, likewise, a lot of the old pagan gods demanded all kinds of crazy sacrifices and you know, even human sacrifice, and uh, people were pretty worn out with, you know, the demands of these ancient gods, many of whom Paul says were demons. Mm. So. Yeah, it's um, we're going to shift if we're not going to believe in the one true God who loves us. We're going to turn to other things that harm us. Yeah. And, you know, most of these people, atheists included, are generally good 
people, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. they're not murdering people. Everybody has their flaws, but, yeah, right. you know, most people are nice or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. What is the consequence for the culture, though, when mm-hmm. we have a society filled with nice people who don't really bother with God? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, none of us are really all that nice. <laughs> Okay, that's a good a point. Of dark, You're right. We have a lot of darkness. But on the other hand, we're not saying that all the atheists are out there doing terrible, awful things. That's not the point. But the point is that they don't think they're ever going to answer to anyone, especially God. And that's, when you start having people in large numbers who think that, you know, they'll never have to really answer to God for what they do, things get very dicey very quick, collectively speaking. It may be individuals atheists who have a lot of natural virtue and don't bother anyone, but collectively speaking, you end up with a, a, a huge generation uh, or a large number in a generation that no longer think they're going to answer to God, and they begin to get very cruel and pretty ugly pretty fast, at least collectively speaking. And the other thing that happens is that, you know, we used to have a common biblical narrative that was kind of it was in everybody's mind, even though we had sectarian differences we all had basic fundamental beliefs in the basic moral norms of the Bible and the basic biblical principles and so on. Today, you remove that. You see, and today, everybody's getting all the, the craziest stuff is out there. You know, somebody says, I can, I'm a man, but I can be a woman. I mean, it, it, things break down very quickly when there isn't a common reference that everybody has. And uh, we end up in what, what Bishop Barron calls the suffocating subjectivism. Mm. And, um, and of course, what Pope Benedict called the uh, the uh, you know the tyranny the tyranny of relativism, and everybody's you know it's just raw power. You will think what I think because I tell you to. You know I have the power to make you comply, and that's kind of where we are today. It's a lot of screaming and hollering. There's no common reference point anymore. Anybody believes any crazy thing, yeah. and we're supposed to just go along with it and. Um, so those kinds of things happen in a culture when there isn't a common belief in God. Well, this is why we are trying to build up the culture as best we can here as Christians. We've been talking to Monsignor Charles Pope. He's got a really interesting piece over at blog.adw.org, unpacking this even further. Um, Monsignor Pope, appreciate the, the piece, appreciate the conversation this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. And you can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis yesterday called President Joe Biden to discuss the conflict in the Middle East. The White House says the two leaders spoke by phone yesterday about the latest developments in Israel and Gaza specifically. Along with condemning the attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians, the White House said the president also affirmed the need to protect civilians in Gaza. For its part, the Vatican said the Pope stressed the need to identify paths to peace. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father once again called for peace in Gaza and Israel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Pope expressed his worry and grief over what is happening in Israel and Palestine. Another 
I am very concerned, grieved, he said, noting, I pray and I am close to all those who are suffering, the hostages, the injured, the victims and their families. The Pope said he is very concerned over the grave humanitarian situation in Gaza, and he was saddened that the Anglican Hospital and the Greek Orthodox Parish were hit in the war violence in recent days. I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened, for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive and for hostages to be released, he said. War, every war in the world. I am also thinking of the tormented Ukraine, the Pope continued, is a defeat. War, he said, always is a defeat, for it is a destruction of human fraternity. Brothers, stop, stop, he said. Fratelli, fermatevi, fermatevi. The Pope then recalled that he has called for on Friday, the 27th of October, a day of fasting, prayer, and penance. That day, in St. Peter's at 6 p.m. Rome time, there will be an hour of prayer for peace in our world. Vivremo un'ora di preghiera per implorare la pace nel mondo. I'm Deborah Castellano Lubov. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike struck a Greek Orthodox church last week. Vatican News reports at least 18 people were killed when the church of St. Porphyrius in Gaza was struck. Cardinal Pierre, Batista, Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa spoke to an Italian television station saying, quote, the pain of those families who have already been suffering for a long time is enormous and we are with them. We pray that this situation ends as soon as possible. He said, let's hope that reason returns to those who make decisions. Wars, war and bombs have never solved problems, he said. On the contrary, they always create new ones. Meanwhile, Caritas Jerusalem is expressing grief and outrage, saying one of their staff members and her family were killed in that rocket blast. The statement says they were among 411 people who had taken refuge in the church hall adjacent to St. Porphyria's church. Former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is now backing House Majority Whip Tom Emmer to take over the gavel. Trey Thomas reports. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, McCarthy said the Minnesota congressman knows how to do the job. We got a wide open southern border. We got crushing inflation. We got war in the Middle East. This is not a moment in time to play around with learning on the job. He added that Emmer can bring the Republican Party together as well as focus on the country's needs. I'm Trey Thomas. The United Auto Workers president says the union is seeing progress from GM and Stellantis. Brian Shook reports. He said in a Facebook Live update that there is more to be won. Fain's presentation comes on the heels of GM passing another offer to the UAW for a 23% general wage increase for a 25% compounded boost over the life of the pact. That's according to the company. But Fain said these profitable companies have more to give. I'm Brian Shook. Meanwhile, negotiations between the Actors Union and Hollywood Studios will resume tomorrow, nearly two weeks after management halted discussions. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour.
When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, October the 23rd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Frost advisory in effect today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-30s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it will get warmer today, mostly sunny and a high of 65 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 49 Partly cloudy and warmer tomorrow with a high of 76. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some morning frost, then sunshine today with a high of 64 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 46. It'll be mostly sunny initially tomorrow with increasing afternoon clouds and a high tomorrow of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m., Check out the video stream online at sacredheartradio.com. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. It's good to have you. Now we're uh, continuing through... Uh, this walk through church history and our understanding of the Eucharist. Um, and we're on to the Protestant revolt today. And I know that there are, are many heresies that came out of this time. But just to start us off, can you talk about a few of the more prevalent Eucharistic heresies that we get from the, this uh, this time period? Well, there's an underlying principle of the Reformation that what God expects of us is simply faith. Now, from a Catholic position, we do believe that God expects faith from us, but that with faith, the whole law uh, is fulfilled. And so there's an interior aspect of my own relationship with God that ends up trumping everything else. And so when it comes to the Eucharist, the same principle applies, that we do not need exterior means of communicating with Christ, because if we have faith, well, we already have interior communion. Mm. And so there is a consistent downplaying of the sacramental aspect of the faith, including with the Eucharist. And as a whole, in the Reformation, um, the sacraments were reduced to baptism in the Eucharist. Now, of course, there are many variations um, of theology and sacramental practice in Protestant denominations. But as a whole, you have this reduction to baptism and the Eucharist. And then what the Eucharist means 
is really anyone's guess. (laughs) Martin Luther and others said that the Bible would be sufficient in and of itself to teach Christians of the truth of the faith. Hmm. Yet when it comes to the Eucharist, there is no agreement whatsoever. Uh, Martin Luther held to a position of consubstantiation uh, because at the Last Supper, he said, you know, Jesus said, this is my body. So it's Jesus' body, but, you know, it's also still bread. Luther got in a in a very uh, violent disagreement with Zwingli, the main reformer of Switzerland, that there was a proposal at the Marburg Colloquy that the two of them might be able to work together and, and unite different Protestant groups. But Luther was shouting at Zwingli about those words of the Last Supper, this is my body, because Zwingli simply said that the Eucharist was symbolic. Zwingli's successor as the head of the Swiss Reformation, John Calvin, had something a little bit more nuanced as his position for the Eucharist, that in receiving bread and wine, there is a spiritual communication of Jesus' body and blood. Um, So it's not just symbolic, like Zwingli said, but it's also not the body and blood of Christ, like Luther said. It's a spiritual communion with the body and blood of Christ. Uh, then you have other groups like in the Radical Reformation. Uh, the Radical Reformation would be the, like the Anabaptist groups. Um, so the Amish is the most famous of these today, but you know you have many others as well. They do not actually have liturgical uh, worship at all. And so there is no Eucharist. Rather, there would be more of like a what some groups called the agape meal, trying to resurrect this ancient Christian meal, which expresses communion um, through a just regular, ordinary meal within the community. So we have the whole spectrum here uh, from different Protestant groups. Well, and we've talked before about heresies and how they have have led the church into a a genuine development of doctrine, uh, a better understanding or a better, clearer way to communicate the doctrine, but would you say it's, is it fair to say that the Protestant revolt took things to a whole new level? So there, there was, as we've talked about, you know, a very long tradition of the Eucharist, but I would say that people at this time were very ignorant of history. And St. John Henry Newman, who left Protestantism to become Catholic, once said to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. But at this time, very few people were deep in history. So the Reformation might say, like providentially led to uh, greater historical research and a deeper connection than to the church fathers and to others. But it took time to recover that. And the church will come out uh, being much stronger because of the Reformation. But there were difficult moments and, of course, so much damage uh, that happened in the meantime. Well, where would you say we are now in your mind, I mean, the the defense uh, against the the heresies that came out of of the Reformation have never really died down, right? I mean, so so how has the church responded through these centuries since then? Well, I would say that initially the church really dug her heels in, um, and there definitely was a kind of us versus them mentality. Um, which became very political. You know, a lot of people are now saying the religious wars in Europe were not religious wars at all. They were political wars that ended up being two different camps divided by religious, you know, divisions, but that um, it it was not essentially about religion. I would say, and and I've actually written an article 
um, about this on Catholic World Report, that I think we're now at the point where people on both sides are beginning to accept things from the other traditions. Some people have said the Reformation is now over 500 years later in this sense that the issues of the Reformation are not as relevant to people today. Does that mean we're all going to be one church immediately? No, but but I do think that there are even many aspects of Protestantism that are becoming very influential in the Catholic Church. Uh, for instance, we talk a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus. That is a very traditionally, at least a Protestant thing mm-hmm. that we now have come to see, well, well, that's actually kind of important here. We are now emphasizing uh, personal reading of Scripture. I mean, Pope Benedict even said that Lexio Divina, this personal prayerful reading of Scripture, could lead to a whole new springtime in the church. Now, Lexio Divina is not Protestant, but on the other hand, we've we've recognized the Protestants have outstripped us in biblical knowledge, and so we're saying, well, maybe there's something there. Now, there is downsides to this as well because we live in a very individualistic culture, and as I've mentioned, Protestantism was very much rooted in an individual relationship with God, personal faith, even private in in some ways. And so many people, especially in Western society, tend to reinterpret the Catholic faith along more Protestant lines today. And this is where we, we even saw through that Pew survey that came out a few years ago that is still kind of rocking the church, that two thirds of Catholics in the United States hold to a more Protestant view of the Eucharist. Now, unlike you know, having a personal relationship with God or knowing the Bible, I think we would say that is not a good thing uh, because Jesus clearly taught us about the Eucharist in the New Testament. The Eucharist has always been the center of the church. And and if you think that, the, you know, the body and blood of Christ are actually more just like symbols during the Mass, um, this is actually a very serious, we would even say heresy, right? And, and that you are not even able to receive the Eucharist fruitfully. It would actually be a sacrilegious communion if you're approaching the Eucharist without genuine faith in the Lord's presence there. So over time, as Protestantism has been influencing the Catholic Church, and I would say the Catholic Church has been influencing Protestantism in other ways as well, um, there's definitely some, some good elements, but also some very difficult and even existential threats that we can see uh, coming into the church as well. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Dr. Jared Stout. You can find his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's from Tan Books. Up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Stephanie Mann joins us to talk about the canonization of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales. It's 14 till. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. 
That is kombonimissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit St. Peter Canisius was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 13 till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis yesterday called President Joe Biden to discuss the conflict in the Holy Land. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike struck a Greek Orthodox church late last week. And as Republicans continue to find a nominee for Speaker of the House, former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is backing House Majority Whip Tom Emmer. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Stephanie Mann. You can find her online at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. She's been running a blog over there on English Catholic history for uh, a number of years, and uh, we've been tapping her wisdom for a number of years as well. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for the thanks for the conversation. This will be great. It will be, and we're coming up on the anniversary of the canonization of the yes. forty martyrs of England and Wales. So, tell us about uh, when they finally got canonized. Well, actually, they, if you run the numbers, um, they were canonized four hundred and. 35 years after the first martyrs died and in this group and 291 years after the last martyrs. So from 1535 to 1679, these uh, martyrs run the gamut of the English Reformation and recusant era in, uh, during the reigns, particularly of from Henry VIII to Charles II. So a, a long period of English history. And it's interesting to see why it took so long for them to be canonized. I mean, I'm, I'm in the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas, and we are praying for the canonization for the cause of our uh, great military chaplain, Chaplain Emil Capon, and we're all wanting it now. <laughs> and so you can imagine that there were devotees and those who had great, great devotion to these English martyrs who were going 435 years. This has been a long time that we've been praying and, and, uh, and honoring these men and women and thinking of them as great heroes of the faith. But for one thing, it, England didn't have a hierarchy. There was no bishops to propose a cause. And then even when this canonization took place in 1970, there were kind of interesting ecumenical issues. The uh, Church of England and uh, the Catholic Church had entered into some ecumenical discussions. Pope Paul VI and uh, Michael Ramsey, the Archbishop of Canterbury, had met quite often. So in a way, it's, it's interesting to think of these kind of these two aspects of it. One, they were great heroes and, and 
great martyrs, and two, their canonization took place at a kind of a delicate time in the ecumenical relations between the Church of England and the Catholic Church, because at that time, there was a great hope of some kind of unification. Of course, we know that's really kind of fallen apart now because of certain actions of the Church of England, ordaining women as priests and bishops and, and other actions that they've taken that would kind of preclude those some of those discussions from going forward. Yeah, and at the same time, there's been interesting uh, development, you know, with the ordinariate and uh, all the people who have come into yes. the church and kept the Anglican patrimony there. But I'm thinking about the fact yes. that this whole series of late, we've been focusing on Father Bowden's book on mementos yes. of the English confessors and martyrs. And when he wrote this, if I'm not mistaken, none of these people would have been canonized, or at least a bunch of them would not have been canonized, right? Many of, the, many of them were still, in fact, of, of the 40 that, that were canonized in 1970, uh, 20 of those that he discusses in his, in his book or, or presents in his books were still at the venerable stage. They hadn't even been beatified. And so that's kind of remarkable. So when, if, in fact, it, there are six of the 40 martyrs that he doesn't even mention. So because he had a different purpose, you know, he wasn't writing a history of the English martyrdom. He was providing spiritual and more moral guidance to Catholics in the early 20th century. who were still under some disabilities uh, under English law. And so he's reminding them of what these men and women, including, as we've, we've noted when we've talked about some of the his uh, models, some of them were not martyrs. They were confessors. They're not saints either, but they were uh, men and women who stood up for the faith and remained true to it, even though they didn't uh, suffer martyrdom. But yes, it's, it's interesting to note that he is writing really before before this great cause had begun for the, these canonizations many years before, because he's writing in, in 1910 and they aren't canonized six, until 60 years later. So it is kind of an interesting uh, matching of, of present and past in, in different kind of different levels. So that's, that's fascinating to me when I think about time and history, but yeah, it's uh, fascinating yes, to me as well. You know, yeah. what's also really neat, and I love this in your blog post, I hope people go over to your website from time to time. I so, too. Survival, because you have such cool nuggets, and you have actually excerpts from the homily that Pope yes. Paul VI gave when he, uh, you know, did this canonization. I wonder if any of the little excerpts of that jumped out to you. Well, one was that, that I do highlight is that he did mention this fact that there was a relationship and there were efforts for reunification with the Anglican church. And he said that he, these martyrs were in a way part of the prayers that were going forward for this reunification uh, in some ways that, that we could come together, the church of England and the Catholic church. But, but then what I thought were amazing and, and that I found from another source because it wasn't translated on the Vatican website was the praise he offered the martyrs. He said that they were worthy to stand alongside the greatest martyrs of the past and because of their fearless faith and marvelous constancy, but also because of their humility, simplicity, and serenity, and above all, the spiritual joy and that wondrously radiant love with which they accepted their condemnation and death. And when I think of that, I think of, uh, when I read that, I think of many of the martyrs that we've talked about who made jests as they went along to their uh, martyrdom or uh, argued at the last minute with the, the Protestant minister and, uh, uh, you know, said 
don't bother me anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I've confessed my sin. I'm forgiven, and I'm ready to meet my God. So you know, just that kind of spirit that they had. And then he did point out that the reason that they they suffered was because they realized that they saw conflict and they dealt with it. They made a choice. They could either conform to their uh, what their country told them to believe about god and his church or they could form to what their conscience and what the catholic church taught them about what they should believe about god and his church and they chose the as he says their fidelity to god and the dictates of their conscience illumined by the catholic faith and then he does also mention their truly supernatural strength with which they stood for god and how they joyfully confronted martyrdom so those were beautiful words that he used for these these catholic martyrs and i think that's true when you think especially about how we look back on the history of martyrdom that they are worthy to stand alongside the greatest martyrs of the past and in some ways they're models for the greatest martyrs of our era because as many have pointed out i think robert royal even wrote the book said there's been more there were more martyrs in the 20th century to the catholic faith because of those conflicts between church and state yeah, it's a fascinating thing to look back on. And, you know, I love the fact that you've got these excerpts because I don't believe, as you note here, I went and clicked over earlier, but uh, they don't have the entire homily from the canonization translated right. all the way into English, which is weird because those are English martyrs, you know. I mean, yes, I thought that was strange. Vatican's falling a little behind on that. It's been, it's been 70 years, so 53 years. But yes. 53 years. <laughs> Stephanie, Maybe man, we've up. got. Supremacy and survival.blogspot.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. So many cool tidbits from English Catholic history over there. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow morning for those of you listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. In the meantime, for all of us here, I'm Matt Swain. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult to machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com.
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Monday, the 23rd of October, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for those who do not hold you in awe. Grant that they might come to put their trust in your power and might. We pray for those who fear to approach you in prayer. Grant that they might come to know you as Father and Shepherd. For those who sense your mystery within the mysteries discovered by scientific study, Grant that they might come to believe in you as creator of the universe. O God, hidden in light, inaccessible, you have revealed the face of your love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through the intercession of St. John of Capistrano, grant us the grace to worship you with reverence and to entrust ourselves to you in love through the same Christ, our Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Luckman at the controls. And up this hour, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, uh, David Kissel from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati Stewardship Department. Uh, We'll also catch up with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo and Dr. Jim Schreier as well. And I know that you'll be very interesting in uh, very interested in him because he is very interesting, but he's going to talk about uh, social media restrictions for families. Uh, I know this is something that y'all have probably dealt with quite a bit, and everybody's kind of got their own philosophy. And some people will have a thing that they like to do, but they don't know how to implement it. Dr. Schrader's got some thoughts, so stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past news, a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has called President Biden to discuss the conflict in the Holy Land. The White House said the two leaders spoke by phone yesterday about the latest developments in Israel and Gaza. Along with condemning the attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians, the White House said the president affirmed the need to protect civilians in Gaza as well. The Vatican said the Pope stressed the need to identify paths to peace. 
During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father once again called for peace in Gaza and Israel. He said, I am very concerned, grieved. I pray and I am close to all those who are suffering, the hostages, the wounded, the victims and their families, saying, I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened, for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive and for hostages to be freed, end quote. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after an airstrike struck a Greek Orthodox church last week. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The pain of those families who have already been suffering for a long time is enormous and we are by their side. Cardinal Pizzaballa, speaking to Italian Catholic television TV 2000, expressed hope that reason may return to those who make decisions. War and bombs have never solved problems, he said. On the contrary, they always create new ones. Patriarch Pizzaballa further explained that the 1,000-strong Catholic community in Gaza has decided to stay regardless of dangers because they don't know where to go and no place in the Strip is safe. He noted that despite all that is going on, they managed to maintain an unwavering faith even under the bombs. On Friday, the ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople held a phone conversation with the Greek Orthodox Patriarch of Jerusalem, Theophilus, to express his condolences for the victims and his best wishes for a speedy recovery of the injured. Patriarch Bartholomew also said he hoped that peace and security may be restored as soon as possible for everyone in the region. The airstrike on St. Porphyrius, which came only two days after the strike on Al-Ali Baptist Hospital, killing hundreds, has drawn strong condemnation from churches, including the World Council of Churches. The ecumenical body has called on the international community to enforce protections for sanctuaries of refuge in Gaza, including hospitals, schools and places of worship. I am Lisa Zengarini. Caritas Jerusalem is expressing grief and outrage because a staff member and her family were killed in that rocket blast that hit the church hall in Gaza. The statement says they were among 411 people who had taken refuge in the church hall adjacent to St. Porphyria's church. Meanwhile, Israel's military is again urging Palestinian civilians to leave northern Gaza to avoid being caught up in the expected fighting. During a Sunday briefing, a senior IDF spokesman warned, quote, you are risking your lives if you do not leave, end quote. He also noted one Israeli soldier was killed and three more wounded in a raid targeting Hamas fighters near the border. Israel's military said earlier it's intensifying attacks as it prepares for an expected ground invasion. In Washington, House Republicans are set to meet tonight in their latest efforts to find a speaker. The position has been vacant since Republicans ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy on October 3rd, bringing the business of the House to a standstill after multiple failed attempts by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan to win the gavel. Lawmakers will hold a candidate forum tonight to evaluate a number of Republican candidates who have thrown their hats into the ring. An internal vote to find a new candidate is set for tomorrow. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain says the union is seeing progress from GM and Stellantis. Brian Shook has more. He said in a Facebook Live update that there is more to be won. 
Fain's presentation comes on the heels of GM passing another offer to the UAW for a 23% general wage increase for a 25% compounded boost over the life of the pact. That's according to the company. But Fain said these profitable companies have more to give. I'm Brian Shook. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Well, I don't want to say I called it, but I called it. The Bengals did not lose over the weekend. That was, But uh, they kind of did. They kind of did. They lost some, you know, sp- they Boomer, lost some ground. Boomer last night was talking about how the Bengals were the big losers this weekend. So you were kind of wrong, Paul. You know, in a way, sure. But uh, here's the good news. We didn't actually get a loss. But uh, everybody we wanted to lose, they won. So uh, by that, I mean the Cleveland Browns stole one from the the Colts. Sure did seem like it, did It sure did. Baltimore uh, crushed Detroit 38-6. And the Steelers edged the Rams 24-17. So uh, Bengals sitting dead last still, but uh, now have uh, more work to do. Problem is they, they'll take on the 49ers this weekend. Uh, Bengals open up as uh, six-point underdogs. How about uh, Cincinnati? FC Cincinnati, they settled for a 2-2 draw with Atlanta. That means uh, not really much. They were already set in that uh, first-place overall spot, so Cincinnati will play the winner of the wild card round between the Red Bulls and Charlotte. As for uh, playoff baseball, we have a game seven. We have a game seven. Texas Rangers defeated the Houston Astros 9-2 in game six of the ALCS. That series will conclude today, so that should be exciting. While the Phillies are trying to punch their ticket to the World Series as well, they are uh, taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks of a game six of their own. And I am rooting for the Diamondbacks still, so I want another Game 7. Okay. That's, I, you know, I mean, I'm not opposed to a Game 7, that's I, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, me and Ken Craycraft have the same uh, logic when it comes to this of we just want as much baseball. As much baseball as possible. Because, you know, it. Absolutely. The days are are dwindling. So It's true. It is true. Let's get to uh, traffic. I know it's not uh, necessarily a good scene out there. Traffic, a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. It's a mess. Is it? I don't know. It's Monday. It's not that bad. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. Paul's just making stuff up here. I saw something maybe earlier. Maybe earlier. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Southbound 75, slowing through the Lachlan split, at least on my traffic map anyway. A little heavy on eastbound 74 from uh, North Bend into the 75 interchange. In northern Kentucky, northbound 7175, slowing from Buttermilk Pike up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471, a little slow from Alexandria Pike up to the river. And westbound 275 at the bottom of the loop, slowing through the construction from Turkey Foot over to Mineola Pike. Now for weather, mostly sunny skies in Cincinnati and a nice warm-up from this morning. By the way, frost advisory has been in effect, so I hope you covered your plants. Well, if there are any still left living Anyway, high of 65 today. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 49. It'll be partly cloudy and warmer tomorrow with a high of 76. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some morning frost, then sunshine today and a high of 64. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 46. 
Mostly sunny initially tomorrow, then increasing afternoon clouds and a high tomorrow of 75 degrees. Today is Monday, October the 23rd. It is the feast of San Juan Capistrano, St. John of Capistrano. Pray for us. Right now, it's 11 past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is David Kissel from the Stewardship Department of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Good morning, David. Good morning, Anna. So today we're going to be talking about praying novenas. Novenas and stewardship? Yes. They're connected? Yes, absolutely. Well, this is good to know. Okay, Pray, so prayer is a big piece of a life of stewardship. <laughs> I know that. I've been learning from you all these years. If I actually forgot that, that would be that would be pretty sad. So we are, of course, here in Ohio, in the middle of this fifty-four day novena for issue one on November seventh, and. Um, Listeners have been hearing me pray part of that on a on a daily basis here on the Sunrise Morning Show. But can you remind listeners about how they can take part in a yeah, in so a fuller kind of way? Sure. So they can sign up at pray54ohio.org. Um, and there's emails that go out every day with the prayers for this novena. And there are just around 14,000 that are signed up uh, receiving this, wow. which is phenomenal. Um, and just powerful, I think, you know, the novena started on Friday, September 15th, the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, and the 54th day falls on Election Day, November 7th. So um, just lifting up, you know, the the, uh, the prayers for the defeat of Issue 1, um, asking our Blessed Mother for her, for her help in this effort. Um, so it's, you know, the first part of the novena was the uh, prayers of intercession, and now we're in the second half where we're, we're uh, giving prayers of thanksgiving. So... Um, we're in the home stretch, but there's still time to sign up. So pray54ohio.org. Well, prayer, of course, is necessary at all times. And so no matter where you are or how late you come to the game, your prayers are going to be helpful. And so, David, let's talk a little bit more about this idea of praying and a life of stewardship. How how do you think that praying a novena can help us grow in that life? Sure. So the, these uh, new things I learned and just kind of reading up on this, um, I wasn't even aware of where the, the uh, tradition of novenas began. So, you know, reading up on this, we learned that uh, our the the apostles, um, you know, at the just after Christ's ascension into heaven, he inf- he instructed them. He said, you know pray constantly together in, in, in leading up to Pentecost and receiving the Holy Spirit. So we read in Acts about this, where they're with our Blessed Mother Mary, praying in the upper room for nine straight days, um, leading up to Pentecost and receiving the Holy Spirit. So, you know, this, this form of prayer was, was really an instruction from, from our Lord um, to come together to pray, um, you know, constantly for his guidance, for his help. And, and, and you know, we see this in, in the early days of the church. So kind of it grew from there. And then we look at a life of stewardship. A life of stewardship is, you know, we say stewardship and discipleship are two sides of the same coin. Mm. So really stewardship is an expression of being a disciple of Christ. And we, we imitate and model our lives after Christ. So Christ instructed us, you know, in multiple ways how to live, but prayer is, is one of the key pieces to this. So a life of stewardship, we say stewardship of prayer, meaning that, you know, we need to commit time each and every day to spend time 
in, in conversation with our Lord. You know, when we talk about stewardship, everything that God has given us as a blessing, as a gift, and guidance, you know, in, in looking to him to say, where do you want us to go today, Lord? Maybe there's something going on in life. And prayer is the way that we really connect with, with our Lord and, and, and really live out that call to discipleship, being good stewards of the many blessings and gifts that he's given us. So prayer is a, uh, is a critical piece of this. So novenas, and that's one of the ways to get in a good, a good rhythm, good habit um, of, of spending time in prayer. And there are so many novenas out there um, mm-hmm. to pray, you know, to be part of this. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any uh, novenas that have sort of a stewardship focus? Yeah, a couple. So thankfully to the uh, Pray More Novenas website out there, nice. there's hundreds of, of novenas out there um, and, and found a few. There was one uh, praying for a novena for discernment. Um, you know, we talk about a life of stewardship, you know, living living out our call to stewardship. Really discernment is is at the center of that constantly discerning where does God want me to go. And this novena really, you know, is an opportunity to, especially if we might be struggling with something, maybe trying to discern what is it exactly that God wants us to do in our life, if it may not be clear. Um, It talked about this this novena for if you're discerning your vocation in life, Mm, especially for young adults. Um, But this is, you know, being good stewards, everything God's given us, we need to be constantly discerning his gifts, his blessings. How do we use these? And then the second one was a novena of gratitude. You know, the starting point for stewardship is being grateful, grateful for everything that God has given us, all the blessings, all the gifts. And in Thanksgiving, we respond and modeling our lives after his son um, and and taking that into the world. I really loved it. There was a line in here that said, if you're struggling with gratitude, if there's a lack of gratitude in your life, you know, praying the novena of gratitude is one way to help turn that around. And I think about nice. there's a lot of struggles, a lot of hardships in our world today, um, and it can easy, you know, easily fall into you know hardships and you know borderline despair in some cases. So the novena of gratitude is one way to to help prayerfully work your way through that. Yeah, absolutely. Work that that gratitude muscle nine days in a row is a, a great thing. I have to say. I have two novenas that I have found in my own life that are particularly effective. That would be the novena to the Sacred Heart. Of course, I work at Sacred Heart Radio and the novena to St. Anne. So uh, people probably not surprised to hear that those two would be my favorite novenas. What are your favorite novenas to pray, David? So I have four. Four. Okay. I have four. So our family, we have a a very strong devotion to the Divine Mercy. We pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day. Um, Our son, uh, Carson, started years ago. We prayed live on Facebook and continue to do that every day and have people praying with us around the world, which is phenomenal. So we we, uh, look forward to that novena every year, starting on Good Friday, leading Mm -hmm. up to Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, but also the one um, somebody told me years ago at a parish I worked at said, Mary, undoer of knots. Oh, yeah. Novena, a devotion for any time you have complex problems, uh, lifting those up to Mary, undoer of knots. Um, we also love the Litany of Trust, um, nine days of praying the Litany of Trust written by the Sisters of Life. And then um, in the last few months or so, my wife has um, got me on to praying the, the Surrender Novena. It's a, a prayer uh, that it, uh, Christ himself uh, gave to a, a priest um, many years ago. And I love the line in there. It says, Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And that's the closing to each day's uh, prayer 
and just find myself constantly kind of having that line on repeat you know, as things come yeah. about throughout the day. So just giving thanks to our Lord, you know, each and every day and just trusting that, that he's going to provide and take care of it. Nice. Thank you so much, David Kissel. And again, Cray 54 Ohio is uh, where you can go to find that novena for Ohio, which we'll be praying here in just a couple of minutes. 18 past traffic and weather and the novena prayer coming up next. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Food makes the party. And you can find the perfect party foods at Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. From mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich, meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays, Bridgetown Finder Meats can make hosting a party a breeze. And choose your wine while you're there. The BFM Wine Shop has high-quality wines from all over the world. Bridgetown Finder Meats on Bridgetown Road, 513-574-3100, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people, now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. 20 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Still slowing through the Lachlan split on southbound 75, northbound 471 on the brakes from Grand Avenue up to the river and slowing through the construction at the bottom of the loop of 275 going westbound from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. Now for weather. Frost advisory in effect today, but it is getting warmer. Mostly sunny today in Cincinnati with a high of 65 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 49. Partly cloudy tomorrow and warmer with a high of 76. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, after some morning frost, it'll be sunny today with a high of 64, a few clouds tonight, and an overnight low of 46. Mostly sunny initially tomorrow, then increasing afternoon clouds and a high near 75. <laughs> now please pray with me the Novena Prayer for Ohio ahead of the November election. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God. You give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. 
We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo joins us next. It's 22 past. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Twenty-four minutes past the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast. And we're going through his book, A God Who Questions. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Good morning, Annie. So today we are going to be reflecting on the question from Jesus why do you call me good? And uh, this taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, which I will read right now. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but God alone. You know the commandments, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. At that At that saying, his countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus asks, why do you call me good? But he doesn't wait for the man to respond. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, I think the whole response is interesting. It, it, yeah. On first, on first reading, on first glance, it seems like, man, this is just kind of a rude encounter, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. this guy comes up, he asks a question that matters. He comes to the right person to ask it, and the response that he gets, this question, "Why do you call me good?" seems seems at first blanch uh, dismissive of his intent, and like we find so often with the responses of Jesus, just moves the whole encounter onto a different plane. So as you rightly note, he does respond with a question, but then doesn't even let the man answer. He goes and he recites the commandments. But 
if we're paying attention, we notice he doesn't recite all the commandments. Yeah. He recites only the commandments that we would say are on the second tablet, the commandments about love of neighbor. And right before that, he says, no one is good, but God alone. As mm -hmm. it turns out, this entire encounter is about God alone, but that's not quite, it seems, what the young man was looking for. Right. So what do you think then is the link? Because he, you know, the the young man says, you know, teacher or the rich man says, teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And then Jesus tells him to lack one thing, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Do you think there's a link between this idea of selling all your possessions and giving them to the poor and loving God, the other part of the commandments that he doesn't mention right away? That indeed is what I think this entire encounter is about. It's about mm -hmm. the love of God, even though Jesus recites the commandments about love of neighbor. We might think of all people, Jesus should know all the commandments, and yet he doesn't name the ones about love of God. But what is absolutely at the foundation of this encounter is that all throughout the Old Testament, as written right through all of Jewish wisdom, is that the acts of almsgiving, that is giving to the poor, are counted and reckoned as an act of fidelity to God. And we might think that almsgiving stays on the level of love of neighbor. You're giving it to another person, you're seeing their need and responding to it. But what occurs all throughout the Old Testament, what Jesus here is putting into play, is the fact that giving alms to those who cannot pay you back, investing in them, is actually an investment in the security that God provides because you yourself as the alms giver are relying on God to count that as given to him and to pay you back. In fact, in Proverbs, it says that quite freely and elsewhere it does as well, that the one who gives to the poor, God will put himself in the place of the debtor. In other wow. words, he will take the debt upon himself. And at the end of this encounter, Jesus says, you know, go give your possessions to the, the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. The treasures in heaven are those which God reckons. It's God's repayment that's at play here. Well, the interesting how you say this, because I'm thinking of the church fathers who often when when talking about the the, uh, you know, the three practices during Lent, for instance, mm -hmm. prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, except many of them said prayer, fasting, and mercy. And mm. and so I feel like there's this this dual nature to, to almsgiving, because as, as you were just mentioning, God will take on the debt himself, but um, to give mercy in in the way that the, the church fathers are talking about, like to be mm. able to, to equate mercy and almsgiving, that is Jesus being the giver as well. Mm. Yeah. And mercy is charity turned towards suffering. So God is charity. God is the one who is the font and the source of all charity. But when it's in response to our suffering, our need, our sin, our poverty, that charity takes the nature of mercy. It is charity turned towards suffering. And so for us who exercise mercy, what we must do is recognize the real suffering of another and respond to it in some way, in, in, in a sense, actually in reality, to align ourselves with that suffering, to, to share in it in some way by doing something about it. And so the almsgiving here is an act of mercy. It is a way of recognizing what is lacking in the other 
and doing something about it concretely, directly for the sake of the other. Well, and then isn't that sort of taking on our nature as being made in the image and after the likeness of God? Does that make us good then by being uh, by taking on that nature? Yeah, quite nice. I love that. We become we grow into the likeness of God. We're made in God's image for his likeness and we become more conformed, we can say, to God's way of being and God's way of loving when we engage in the almsgiving, the mercy dealing that is commanded here. This young man, let's remember, came forward and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it seems at first like Jesus almost dismisses him, dismisses him with a question, why do you call me good? But in the end, Jesus will tell him, this is how to inherit eternal life. This is what true goodness is. It's not contained within the boundaries that you have set in this exchange beforehand. It's actually to go beyond your boundaries, to divest yourself of your own possessions and to give those to the poor who are in need of them so that you and they may be made one together. That's eternal life. It's communion more than anything else. Dr. De Lorenzo, what do you think of verse 21? It says, and Jesus looking upon him, loved him. Hmm. Is, I think that's one of the most beautiful lines in all of Scripture. It is not that only here Jesus looks upon another with love, but here it's announced quite clearly and directly. He is about to tell this, this man, this rich man, the thing that is most necessary, but also, as he knows, the most difficult for him. But Jesus tells it to him out of love. He looks upon him in love. In other words, Jesus is here enacting mercy for this man. He recognizes the lack, you could say the suffering in this man. And it's through that look of love that he responds to him with the truly necessary thing. In fact, you could say Jesus gives him the alms of this commandment so that he may be full and may reach eternal life. I like what you did there, Dr. Taylor. And so the book is called A God Who Questions. It's from our Sunday visitor. And you can also find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo, really enjoyed the discussion today. Thank you. My pleasure as always. All right. 32 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Pope Francis called President Biden yesterday to discuss the conflict in the Middle East. The White House says the two leaders spoke by phone yesterday about the latest developments in Israel and Gaza, along with condemning the attack by Hamas on Israeli citizens. The White House said the president also affirmed the need to protect civilians in Gaza. For its part, the Vatican said the Pope stressed the need to identify paths to peace. During his Sunday Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis once again called for peace in Gaza and Israel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Pope expressed his worry and grief over what is happening in Israel and Palestine. I am very concerned, grieved, he said, noting, I pray and I am close to all those who are suffering, the hostages, the injured, the victims and their families. The Pope said he is very concerned over the grave humanitarian situation in Gaza, and he was saddened that the Anglican Hospital and the Greek Orthodox Parish were hit in the war violence in recent days. Anglicano 
I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened, for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive, and for hostages to be released, he said. War, every war in the world. I am also thinking of the tormented Ukraine, the Pope continued, is a defeat. La guerra, ogni guerra che nel mondo, penso anche alla martoriata Ucraina, è una sconfitta. War, he said, always is a defeat, for it is a destruction of human fraternity. Brothers, stop, stop, he said. Fratelli, fermatevi, fermatevi. The Pope then recalled that he has called for, on Friday the 27th of October, a day of fasting, prayer, and penance. That day, in St. Peter's at 6 p.m. Rome time, there will be an hour of prayer for peace in our world. Vivremo un'ora di preghiera per implorare la pace nel mondo. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered his condolences and prayers to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate after the airstrike that struck a Greek Orthodox church on Thursday last week. Vatican News reports at least 18 people were killed when the Church of St. Porphyrius in Gaza was struck. Caritas Jerusalem announced that a staff member and her family were among those killed. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa spoke to an Italian television station saying, quote, the pain of those families who have already been suffering for a long time is enormous and we are with them. We pray that the situation ends as soon as possible. He said, let's hope that reason returns to those who make decisions. War and bombs have never solved problems, he said. On the contrary, they always create new ones. House Republicans are set to meet tonight in their latest efforts to find a new Speaker of the House. Former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy says he's backing House Majority Whip Tom Emmer to take over the gavel. Trey Thomas reports. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, McCarthy said the Minnesota congressman knows how to do the job. We got a wide open southern border. We got crushing inflation. We got war in the Middle East. This is not a moment in time to play around with learning on the job. He added that Emmer can bring the Republican Party together as well as focus on the country's needs. I'm Trey Thomas. Negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and Hollywood Studios will resume tomorrow, nearly two weeks after management halted discussions. On Saturday, a joint statement from the Actors Union and Studios said they are willing to return to the bargaining table. And meanwhile, the United Auto Workers president, Sean Fain, has said the union is seeing progress from GM and Stellantis. 837 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. How about the American League Championship Series? It's going to a Game 7 after the Texas Rangers defeated the Houston Astros 9-2 in Game 6 of the ALCS at Minute Maid Park. The uh, series will con- con- conclude Tonight in Houston, as for the Philadelphia Phillies in the NLCS, they're trying to punch their ticket to the World Series in back-to-back years. Phillies square off against the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 6 of the National League Championship Series. That game will take place at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. All right, uh, Sunday's football didn't go very well for the Bengals. Bengals were off on a bye week, but everybody in the division happened to win. Browns had a uh, comeback victory over the Colts. Ravens crushed the Lions 38-6. to 
Baltimore now 5-2 and two ahead, atop the uh, AFC North, while the Steelers won over the Rams 24-17. to 17. Cincinnati will take on the uh, San Francisco 49ers on Sunday and uh, open up as six-point underdogs. Let's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Uptown Catholic invites all to a healing service Saturday, November 11th at St. Monica St. George Church in Clifton. Worship begins at 6.30 p.m. and the healing service at 7. For more information, visit sacredheartradio.com slash event. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith, and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Let me guess. When you go to Mass on Sunday, you probably sit in the same pew. Do you know who's sitting next to you or behind you? Pope Francis calls each of us to evangelize. It's time to break the ice. What better way to do that than to introduce yourself to a fellow parishioner? It isn't difficult. Before you know it, you'll have new friends. My guess is that's the way he planned it. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Deacon Joe Grody. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. It's always great to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. He's become our liturgical translation correspondent of late. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Doing well, and I'm excited to talk about this because uh, we haven't talked much yet about collects, and there are a couple of saints that we talk about this week, uh, John of Capistrano and Anthony Mary Claret, and uh, I mean, I guess we... I guess we got to translate their stuff too, right? The, uh, the stuff that <laughs> yeah. is uh, related to their feasts. So uh, tell us about those collects. Yeah, so uh, those are back-to-back saints, the 23rd and 24th of October, um, and there's something uh, a little bit um, characteristic and similar about their two collects. So I just want to read them, and I, I'll give you a, a hint that it has to do with, the similarity has to do with verb tenses. So that's sort of the uh, the language angle and the translation angle. So for St. John of Capistrano, the collect prayer goes like this. 
O God, who raised up St. John of Capistrano to comfort your faithful people in tribulation, place us, we pray, under your safe protection and keep your church in everlasting peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. And for St. Anthony Mary Clara, O God, who for the evangelization of peoples strengthened the bishop, St. Anthony Mary Claret, with an admirable charity and long-suffering, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Now, what's interesting to me about these two um, prayers is we start off with a past tense. We start off with mentioning something God did in the past with yeah, each of the these Yeah, that's the first saints. thing I I was like listening for this verb tense, and St. <laughs> John of Capistrano was raised up. Yes, where, uh, he was Saint raised Anthony up. Claret was strengthened. It was right? strengthened, yeah. Yeah, so we start by thinking about something God did in the past with one of his saints. And then that sort of transitions us into a present request, right? So God, who raised up St. John of Capistrano to comfort your faithful people in tribulation, place us, we pray. There's our present request. Uh, and with St. Anthony Mary Claret, um, grant through his intercession. So we, um, we, we think about something God did in the past. And then that's the basis of us making a request of God in the present. And both of these requests really orient us toward the future as well. For, for St. John of Capistrano, place us, we pray, under your safe protection and keep your church in everlasting peace. So not just peace for today, but peace that's going to continue into the future forever and ever. And with, um, with the following collect, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ. So that gets us uh, thinking about something we're hopefully going to do, not just uh, right now, but also uh, for the rest of our lives. So we have we have past, present, and future covered in, in each of these collects. And I think that's that's pretty typical for these sort of saint collects. We, we think about something God did in the past. That's the basis of a present request and that orients us towards some kind of future hope um yeah, and so th it, there's a kind of logic in these yeah I, I i was i was thinking about this uh in regard to all the collects that i hear like there really is sort of that that switching of, of tenses i'm uh remembering so last week had we had the feast of the north american martyrs yeah and uh so i, I actually prayed it on the air and I don't know if it's the latest translation of it, but it used those that tense transition. Oh, God, who chose to manifest the hope of your eternal kingdom by the toil of John Deborah Buff and so on, uh, you know, grant, right? That's the mm -hmm. uh, present, yep. uh, that we may be strengthened day by day, which is the moving forward part. Right, right? This exactly. Sort of past, yeah. present, and future. I'm, I'm going to start yeah. noticing that at every collect, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's definitely a pattern, and it's something to think about. That you know, God God acted in the past, um, and now we can call on Him now in the, in the present, and it gives us grounds for future hope. Well, you see this actually, uh, you know, as a as a point of you know sort of verb tense transitions is actually really prevalent in the epistles of the New Testament. Uh, particularly, I'm thinking of Peter and Paul, uh, who often uh, invoke some example of something from the past. 
and mm-hmm. say, you know, address a situation that's happening in the present and talk about like how they should now live, you know, moving forward. Right. This is, I mean, as Catholics, as Christians of any kind, really, I mean, that's kind of the task, right? right. Is to uh, to be rooted in your history, figure out what that means right now, so that you can mm-hmm. move ahead in a in a in a sort of a new and you know faithful way. I mean, this is this is really yeah. Christian life in a nutshell. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, when you go and attack a, a, a collect like this, are you retranslating many of these? Or, or I mean, I, I imagine they're fairly short. They were probably some of the easier things to to try and capture. Yeah. So these were these were part of the missile project that we did twelve years ago. So there's not really um, there's not any plan to to do any large scale revision of the missile at this point. Um, maybe a, a little tweak here or there, but. Uh, but yeah, these would be translations that we did uh, in the early part of the the 2000s, and which which came out and was implemented in 2011. So was that before your time then, or did you? Get that was before. That yeah, that was before my time. So I didn't work on any of these uh, missile collects. Um, but yeah, that was before my time. Well, that's still pretty cool that we get to look at them. Uh, you know, it, it would take a translator person to notice the verb tense thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Dr. Benjamin Lewis, if our listeners want to connect with you and maybe get the Divine Office hymnal as well, how do they find out more about ISIL and your work? So they can go to our website, ISLweb.org, um, or they can purchase the, uh, the Divine Office hymnal through GIA Music. All right. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. All right. We'll talk kids and screen time with Dr. Jim Schrader coming up next. Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? show notes? Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. 
The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to talk to Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Program at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. He also writes for the National Catholic Register and is online at james-schrader.com. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So all of us as parents who have kids who are trying to figure out the cell phone, social media, gaming question... Nobody wants to be the uncool parent of the uncool <clears throat> kid, but I'm glad to know that a psychological professional was willing to be uncool. So uh, tell us about some of the standards that you decided early on for your kids in this process. Yeah, it's been an ongoing conversation since kindergarten, and our oldest are now seniors in high school. So you know, early on, we, again, we had these conversations about technology, and there's certainly a lot of great assets and ways it can be used. Um, but as they were getting older, they recognized that the decisions we were going to make in our home were ultimately that our kids were not going to have social media um, basically through the end of high school, and they weren't going to have mobile devices until our oldest are going to get those um, at Christmas time as seniors here this year. And then, you know, they've got some kind of brief or just limited computer games or whatever, but we don't have any gaming consoles at home. Um, so we are definitely, by many standards, a low-tech family, and it's been – you know, a long conversation, certainly a lot of challenges, but we're really glad that we've gone this route. All right. So I imagine if you got kids who are seniors in high school, well, depending on how things have progressed, like it's shocking to me. Uh, you know, I've got a sixth grader and, you know, I am an uncool dad, right? I, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to make my kid as uncool as possible. And, you know, Annie will probably tell you the same thing. <laughs> same thing. You know, we feel like kind of total weirdos because, you know, some of these kids are, you know, born with an iPad at the strap to their stroller or something. Right. But, um, and, and, you know, you get various levels of resistance at various ages. But now that you've got seniors in high school, are they like, resentful or slightly grateful or a, or a mix? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And this is the article. There's an article on my website, james-reader.com. It actually talks about this uh, quite a bit. And we certainly have had challenges throughout. And I think our daughter especially, um, you know, just said there was a number of different points where she really felt like, she, you know, she wanted to have a phone and we had discussions around it. We even had letters written around it. And I really appreciated all of their honesty and, um, you know, the, the challenges that came. But I think as, as high school went on, what we saw more and more is that we talk a lot about why we're making these decisions. And obviously, I, I know the research really well. I've been in this area for 10 to 15 years, and this is certainly an area of specialty. And they recognize it, and so there's definitely been patterns of silence and patterns of, uh, you know, not great, um, you know, I guess um, positive emotions sometimes. But I, I think that the biggest thing for us, and I was blessed to have parents in this way too, is that they recognize these decisions are really out of great love for them and really out of the fact that their brains are still developing a lot into their mid-20s and, you know, their bodies are developing and there are lots of risks that they were just not prepared to take on. Um, with the phones and social media. And so, you know what? I, it is what it is. Like you said, I I, uh, I was never cool growing up, and my parents didn't make that the number one thing that was important for them. And, um, you know, ironically, I talk about this in the article, all three of our kids in the high school, you know, have been, it was kind of neat, um, elected the homecoming court um, recently. They're all, you know, very connected socially, athletically, doing lots of different things. And what's neat along the way is that their friends just kind of came to realize, hey, look, their parents are making this decision, and we can work around this. It's not a big deal. And obviously, humanity worked around it for everything but 20 years of this, you know, entire um, humanity overall. 
and things just adapted. And so it's not been easy. Um, and certainly at times I thought, oh, man, this is really a test. But we don't have any regrets with what we're doing, and we, we're really um, blessed that we've been able to. Well, I'm sure that you have all kinds of reasons that you think about this. And, you know, some of the reasons that immediately come up in these conversations are like, well, there's all kinds of horrible things that could be exposed to or preyed upon in regard to and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I want to keep vigilance on that for sure. Absolutely, Dr. Schrader. But I also care about other things like the skills that I have lost since digital media has sort of like proliferated. Like I used to be able to go somewhere with somebody, we could separate and be like, okay, why don't we meet back at X point, you know, at a certain point in time. And now like nobody does that anymore. Like nobody knows how to find each other at like a theme park anymore. Right. 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 Uh, Like little tiny skills. Nobody knows how to find directions to things without like a robot talking to them. Like all these little skills. Like I, I want, I want to like, pass a few of those on before I forget them entirely. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, to your first point, there's 50-plus articles on my website that describe all the reasons why, in essence, we've made this decision. So for anybody who wants to check those out, they're there. I only need like two or three to back me up. Right. I mean, seriously, right. There's plenty out there. But to your point, you know, these little skills that we describe as little skills are actually pretty huge skills. And I think that we've kind of like handed over our neurological development to devices and acted as if the devices can take over for us. Uh, But we're finding out more and more is that they can't take over for us. I mean, sure, GPS can mostly get us to the places we want to go, although at times that's not going to work for you. But the broader sense is that we have this incredible, incredible brain that God has given us to develop many skills, and not just for utility, but for enjoyment, right? And part of the adventure of life is developing those skills so that we can use them for that reason. I think that we kind of lose out on that. We've got an article over at the National Catholic Register. It's called Parenting in the Digital Age, No Phones, No Social Media, No Regrets. Dr. James Schrader, I encourage people to go over and listen. You can find a link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, too. Thanks. Don't be afraid to be the uncool person. You know, there's also, like, you know, a lot of pressure out there and a lot of people who they haven't necessarily made that decision. This is sort of just kind of, like, happened in their house. Well, Dr. Schrader's got some tips over at his site. Check it out. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show on this Monday, the 23rd of October. We'll be back again tomorrow. In the meantime, for all of us here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Family, thank you for supporting Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Yes, because of your generosity and from inviting many others to listen and give is why Sacred Heart Radio is now heard and seen on seven media platforms. Now, if you are a new listener, setting up a reoccurring gift of just $10 a month is easy to do at sacredheartradio.com and we'll assure that the gospel of Jesus Christ will always be broadcast on Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at WimbergLandscaping.com. That's WimbergLandscaping.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord, teach me to pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord, teach me to pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. This is Bishop Roger Foyes of Covington. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com.